Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dave Chappelle has fired back at the activists and the Netflix employees that were complaining about his comedy special with his own list of demands. He said, I will not bend to anyone, but if you want to meet, you have to abide by my conditions. And one of them was a direct roast of comedian Hannah Gadsby. And he he just said, you have to admit she's not funny. And it's just, uh, it's kind of funny. Dave Chappelle's basically striking back, rejecting the cancellation of him as a comedian. But this is an interesting subject because I'm not entirely sure Dave Chappelle will survive the cancel attempt because these activists show up in front of the building, as you may have seen with this big protest. They attack people. The media lies on their behalf and it goes viral. But I got to say, Dave Chappelle's response right now might actually be what helps fend this off because he's refusing to back down in such a way. Maybe we'll get something good out of it. So we got to talk about that. And I want to talk about CNN's ratings being just absolutely miserable. The ratings for Joe Biden's town hall were in the gutter. And then we have arrest Fauci trending because Fauci was in uh, funding some very disturbing animal experiments. And now people want him to be arrested. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about a lot. There's a lot going on. Cops quitting, cops protesting in New York, marching down the street, chanting, let's go, Brandon. We've got San Francisco prosecutors quitting people in SF saying you can't live here anymore. It's too dangerous. So joining us to talk about all of this is Mark Hemingway. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Mark Hemingway. Uh, I am a senior writer for Real Clear Investigations, and uh, I have worked at uh, three magazines, two daily newspapers, a financial wire service, and a think tank over the course of my career. And uh, yeah, so I'm glad to be here at the future of journalism. Oh, wow. Thank you. There's a book behind you. Yes. Uh, so I co-wrote this book with my wife uh, behind me. Uh, it's on the uh, 2020 election. It's called Rigged. Uh, I'm going to have to turn around to remember the subtitle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how the media, big tech, and Democrats seized our elections. Uh, and uh, so this book was kind of an attempt to make sense of what happened in 2020, um, where, you know, there was a lot of crazy, you know, things that people were saying about what happened or did happen after the election. But the truth is, you know, my wife and I stepped back and took like, you know, 30,000 foot view of the election where you have big tech censorship, you have all these crazy COVID narratives, um, you know, you have... Rule changes. Yeah. You state know, level. There were massive changes across the board to election rules because of the pandemic and everything else. Mail-in balloting being this, you know, massive thing that happened um, and really looked at how the election happened. And, I mean, you know, I, I think we, we, you know, came to the conclusion, I think a lot of people did, we felt very uneasy about the election, which is to say that, you know, I'm not out here saying the election was stolen, but was it a situation here where people would say it was free and fair and wasn't like substantially corrupt? I, think uh, I don't think so. Easy way to put it is Time Magazine's The Shadow <laughs> Campaign to save the election. We talk a lot about that in the book. I mean, they literally called a, a coalition of corporate interests coming together to oust Donald Trump a cabal in Time Magazine. <laughs> and somehow this wasn't setting off klaxons. You guys yeah. are crazy conspiracy theorists. <laughs> they were just fortifying it, all right? 
Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. This is Ogrodowski here of WeAreChange.org, and we just had an incredible event just a few hours ago here in West Virginia. It was awesome. I remember going on stage, and I don't know what happened, but something happened where I just was speaking my mind, and I was just, I was like, wait, 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 hold on. I don't want to take over this event, uh, but it was really incredible. It was really awesome, and I was so happy to be a part of it, and thanks, thank you guys for organizing it. And oh yeah, the shirt I have on will either get you instant friends or enemies, and it says, the media is the virus, and you could get yours on the bestpoliticalshirts.com. It was invigorating to be eight feet away from you when you lit fire like a lightning <laughs> rod on stage yeah. the other yeah. night. I don't know what happened. It was just like, ah! The spirit embodies you, Lou. fire like yeah. a lightning yeah. rod. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm part Slavic, too, I think, deep down. <laughs> hey, I'm actually just looking at Rogan's Instagram, and I see him, Chappelle, Donnell, Tom Segura, and uh, Jeff Ross played in Nashville. I think... I think Dave's going to be okay. He's got a good group of friends <laughs> and going to keep him grounded and keep him because really is famous. You can be famous as you want. You can still go crazy, but when you have good friends, that's what you need. That, True that. And that's what he's got. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here as well. Um, our event was fantastic. I wish that more people could have come. I'm hoping that we can expand as we go along, but we need to get our chops and see if we can make everything work perfectly for everyone. Right on. Before we get to the news, my friends, head, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member. We're going to have a members-only segment coming up around 11 or so p.m. And you'll be supporting our fierce and independent journalists. As you can see right here in the member content for the Green Room Show, which is Fridays, we got behind the scenes with Viva Fry and Robert Barnes. You definitely want to check that out. It's just fun hanging out. It's not super heavy political stuff. You know, you can see us. We're chilling. Look how happy we are just chilling there in the green room. Hmm. If you want to be, a, If you want to check that out, become a member. And don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Let's talk about some news. And I want, to, I want to start with Dave Chappelle because, you know, I was talking about the Alec Baldwin incident earlier. Uh, I believe new information has emerged showing that Alec Baldwin is, is potentially criminally responsible mm -hmm. for this. And I, I'm not trying to make this a segment about Alec Baldwin, but I want to explain. This is a guy who is the producer in a movie who knew there had been a negligent, negligent discharge multiple times was then handed a weapon, did not check it, even though he's been trained for decades, pointed it at the crew, pulled the trigger, killing a woman. And you see all these people on the left saying he's not at fault. It was an accident. There was a post on Reddit where they were like, if you think that a guy who accidentally shot someone should go to jail, but the president shouldn't, you know, Donald Trump, then they're like, you're something's wrong with you. And I'm like, let me just say it one more time. Alec Baldwin was a producer on the movie. There had been two separate negligent discharges the crew knew about. Some crew had walked off the set. He has been trained in how to handle the firearms on, on different movies, and he didn't, which means there's gonna, there's got to be a criminal investigation into what he knew and what he didn't. Now, I bring that up because it's purely cultural. The politics don't matter. Alec Baldwin is, a, is an activist, right? So everyone's like, oh, you know, Alec Baldwin, we've got to protect him. That's really what it's about. So when I see the story with Dave Chappelle, not a uh, to segue into why, why the Dave Chappelle story matters, I actually was saying in the past week or so with this whole Dave Chappelle Netflix thing, you get the Netflix employees coming out, physically attacking a guy, claiming that after they destroy his sign, claim it's now a weapon. Then the media reports that the guy was actually the one attacking them. Culture is everything. And they've got the media. They've got cultural institutions. But Dave Chappelle did something funny. Variety says Dave Chappelle willing to discuss the closer with trans community, but says he's not bending to anybody's demands. This is not true. Dave Chappelle actually says members of the LGBTQ plus and trans community were supportive of him. These are the activists. These are the wingnut activists, the political actors, not people who are simply LGBTQ. And he said, quote, I want everyone in this audience to know that even though the media frames it, that it's me versus that community, 
That is not what it is. Do not blame the LGBTQ community for any of this crap. This has nothing to do with them. It's about corporate interests and what I can say and what I cannot say. For the record, and I need you to know this, everyone I know from that community has been loving and supportive, supporting. So I don't know what all this nonsense is about. He said, uh, I believe his, uh, Chappelle also spoke about the upcoming documentary. This film that I made was in, uh, was invited to every film festival in the United States. And some of those invitations I accepted. When this controversy came out about the closer, they began disinviting me from these film festivals. And now today, not a film company, not a movie studio, not a film festival. Nobody will touch this film. Thank God for Ted Sarandos and Netflix. He's the only one that didn't cancel me yet. Wow. This is, this is important context. People did not realize that Dave Chappelle has been canceled across the board, but he's standing defiant. They go on to say, though Chappelle said he was willing to meet with some members of the trans community or the activist community. See how they try to do that with variety? They try to make, make these, these, these extremists the entirety of the trans community. I'm pretty sure Blair White's a member of that community. We had a fan at the event Saturday who was yeah. trans. This is not fair. He says he jokingly listed, jokingly, jokingly listed off a slew of conditions that would have to be met. Quote, to the transgender community, I am more than willing to give you an audience, but you will not summon me. I'm not bending to anybody's demands. And if you want to meet with me, I'd be more than willing to, but I have some conditions. First of all, you cannot come if you have not watched my special from beginning to end. Nice. You must come to a place of my choosing at a time of my choosing. And thirdly, you must admit that Hannah Gadsby is not funny. (laughs) There it was. Brilliant. Smart. I loved it. And that was the perfect response we needed right now. There's a huge conflict happening. And we also have to understand that this is not just Dave Chappelle shooting shots for no reason. This Hannah Gadsby attacked Dave and the CEO of Netflix before. Uh, the CEO of Netflix came out in response to a lot of this controversy by saying, quote, So we have sex education, Orange is the New Black, Control Z, Hannah Gadsby, and Dave Chappelle all on Netflix. Key to this is increasing diversity on the content team itself. Now, that's a simple response saying, hey, everyone here uh, gets a voice on this platform, on this very important platform. And Hannah responded on Instagram. <laughs> By saying, quote, Ted, just a quick note to let you know that I would prefer if you didn't drag my name into your mess. Now I have to deal with even more of the hate and anger that Dave Chappelle's fans like to unleash on me every time Dave gets $20 million to process his emotions, stunned partial world views. And then later she adds, you didn't pay me nearly enough to deal with this with the real world consequences of the hate speech whistling you refuse to acknowledge f you ted your and your amoral algorithm cult so those are very big words by her yeah ah uh. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, I think a lot of people are angry at uh, Gatsby for, you know, continuing to marketing, market what she does as comedy. I mean, <laughs> I uh, that would induce some kind of hateful <laughs> response in me if I was told this was going to be funny. Right. And I watched what she did. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you've made a really excellent point there, though, about how they keep trying to say that this activist fringe represents this wide swath of people. I saw Andrew Sullivan speak just a couple of weeks ago, and, and he made this point where he said, 
you know, it's been crazy. You know, I'm a gay man. You know, my historical civil rights struggle and whatever else there is about my identity is not the same as a lesbian. It's not the same as a bisexual. It's not the same as a transsexual. And with Q, they're just including every white woman with blue hair. Right. Um, I mean, uh, it's absolutely insane that somehow you can claim to speak for so many people and everyone just accept that as, as a fact. I'll, I'll say this. I'll take credit for being at least somewhat right in this regard because I was saying when this was starting, I think Dave Chappelle's going to lose this one. I, I tweeted, LOL, they're trying to cancel Dave Chappelle, and I think it, and I said, actually, I think it might work. Hmm. To hear Dave come out and say that he's being disinvited from film festivals and no one will touch this film anymore, they got him. I, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. You're talking about the closer? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, he's talking about the closer. So, oh, closer, the closer. We well, should put it on I'm assuming it's the closer. Com, man. Yeah, yeah. No, Netflix owns it. It's licensed. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> but he's saying, he, he, he says, the film I made was invited to every film festival in the U.S. When the controversy came out, he got disinvited from all of these film festivals. It was only Netflix that were willing to take him. I think this only happened because he opened up that possibility by ending the comedy special seriously. And I think if he would have laughed it off, I think it would have been like sticks and stones. That's just my own personal opinion on this matter. But again, as you see, Hannah Gatsby responds very seriously. The best way to disarm someone who's too serious and taking themselves way too seriously is to laugh at them. So this was the perfect response to Hannah. And, and, you know, a lot of people are laughing about this. A lot of people are talking about this. This is, this is something that is, could go either way, but, uh, the shots were fired back by Dave. It was good to see those shots fired. So I also want to say, I think people make a mistake in thinking that this is somehow about the audience. I mean, this is really about what's going on internally at all of these entertainment companies. I, I, a couple months back, I did a story on digital advertising and how there are all these boycotts against, you know, you know, right-leaning media and stuff like that. And the guy, you know, I talked to an advertising exec, and, and he made this point, you know, explicitly. He said, it used to be when this stuff first started happening, you could go to the company and you'd say, look, this is just a social media fracas. It's going to blow over in 48 hours. And you've got nothing to worry about. Now it's totally different. The culture has penetrated these companies. So what you've got to worry about is like, you know, Sarandos at Netflix or whatever, dealing with his, you know, top, Ten, 10 of his top executives coming to him saying, you know, I'm not going to work at this company if you continue to act this way because they're all woke. That's the, that's fire them. Yeah. They got to fire these people. Well, they also have to do, deal with the ESG and a lot of the big banks and a lot of the big institutions that are push, pushing pressure on them. So it's not just Netflix and the employees there. I mean, and even with that protest, I mean, did you see how the media hyped it up? A thousand people yeah. are going to come out. That was not maybe, a thousand. Maybe a few dozen. Let's be honest no, I, here. I, I think that was actually fair. Uh, so I saw the criticism that there was like one source that said, uh, we, we estimate a thousand people will come. The media ran it and then everyone picked the story up. But as you know, Luke, whenever you see uh, a, 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 pay, like a, a, a social media post saying like, come to this event and there are invites given out on Facebook, when it says a thousand, we always would be like, that means a hundred. Yeah, for sure. Because you get 10 times as many people saying they will go and a 10th show yeah. up. But what? but this is also important to bring up because they had the mainstream media hyping this up. So people were hearing about this. People knew about this far and wide. They Nobody were doing the PR. Up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, when you compare that, you we also have to understand that on the bigger uh, backdrop of it, that, that they got a lot of promotion for this. And if you have that much promotion, you would expect a bigger protest uh, from my own personal perspective. But again, that just proves what I was saying. This is not about what audiences yeah. want out of comedy. This is about the imperatives of corporations. That's what this is about. I think yeah. that, you know, Dave Chappelle is, it's, it's like a grandfathering in kind of thing where 
when Dave Chappelle's career ends, when he gets old and moves on, we will never see a Dave Chappelle for this this new time period. So I'll put it this way. Assuming that, you know what? Let me slow down. Michael Malice likes to say, you know, these people are so dumb. How could you possibly think we're going to lose? And mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, zombies are dumb too. A lot. But a lot of them overwhelm the system and then people are running, at least in movies. If Dave Chappelle is saying they're, that festivals are canceling him and he's the king, Joe Rogan said he's possibly the funniest guy, the funniest comedian on the planet, then, then what does that mean for where we're headed? So what happens now is, you know, I was actually thinking that Dave Chappelle might survive this. He might survive the cancellation to a certain degree. And then what would happen is they would just be like, let him age out. Once he's no longer in media or relevant, we just don't let the next generation do it. So there was that guy, Shane, what's his name? Uh, what, the guy from SNL who was like, he got fired. Oh, yeah, he made I don't the, remember his last name. Gillis. Gain, Shane McGillis? Or Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis. Let me Gillis. check that. So this is a really good example. Shane Gillis did an Asian accent stereotype. You, you remember the story? Yeah, I do. And then he got fired. Uh, Chappelle on Netflix did the same, did a even more egregious where he like made the face and everything and it was celebrated. They cheered for it. They even gave him another special at, you know, 20 plus million dollars. So, so I, for, for a while I thought, okay, they're going to not let any of the new guys, any new people with this kind of humor, edgy humor, get jobs and they'll tolerate the old comedians until they're finally gone. Now it's like they're even nuking Chappelle now, you know, so I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be, I, I think people need to realize if the story ended there, fine. I guess you'd call it pessimistic, but I'm not saying the story ends there. I'm saying we're doing stuff. We just had an event with Ryan Long. I yeah. can't say what Ryan Long said. That's hilarious. <laughs> He's awesome. But it was insane. Everyone was like, Ryan Long is an, an amazing comedian. And then he was like, he, it was, I, I don't, I don't, I can't spoil any of the jokes, but it was extremely offensive. You had people going like, oh man, but it was <laughs> hilarious. And you're not going to find that on Netflix. No, you're not going to find that. But I, I do think things are happening. Like so, like Vaclav Havel in Czechoslovakia, you know, he wrote this famous essay where he talked about the creation of a parallel polis, meaning that you know, when you live in a culture that is so you know dominated by lies that it's necessary for the people that don't want to live to by those lies to like create up you know their own institutions and their own culture and live by that. Now, the crazy thing about this, what's happening is they're foisting all this stuff on us from the top down, right? But at the same time, we're not communist Czechoslovakia. You know, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, it's not dark yet. It's getting there. But um, we still live in a culture where we can build our own institutions. We can do new things like, you know, this show, for instance. We can build up a parallel polis. And maybe if we do enough of that, that we can supplant this sort of, you know, dominant ideology. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the way psychedelics break people out of that crap. I think the and they're like in DC now they're, they've decriminalized psilocybin or I think pretty much uh, Washington state like that will shatter this nonsense maybe there's a lot of people who live in this matrix you know but I, I want to say something I want to say I, I, I was enlightened today when my name was trending on Twitter oh and uh, <laughs> it was also trending alongside Noam Chomsky oh. for one reason Dune the new movie <laughs> you saw it uh, I saw half of it because we walked out of the theater um I will say this, and I'm trying to be offensive, so get ready to be offended, Dune fans. The only people who like Dune are the originalists who are fans of the book. They understand what they're watching, and they're amazed and inspired by the cinematography, the art. It was beautiful. The music was amazing and incredible. And robots that were made to be on the internet to prop up the movie and try and help sell it. But I genuinely think they're trying to, you know, we, we talked about this after we walked out. I think I think they're trying to tank the movie. Because they released it for free on HBO Max, and the theater was empty. But uh, I, I'm, I, I was going to say, 
you know, I'm trending on Twitter and I'm like, this is why there's going to be a civil war. Not seriously about right. Dune, but I, I, we walked into the theater. I, I said the movie was too slow. There was no uh, story in the hour we watched. It was confusing and nothing was happening to the hardcore Dune fans. They totally understood it. We walked out. But to see the amount of hate that was generated by this and a ton of the tweets were basically like they were political. The, the, the leftist Dune fans were attacking me over politics for me saying I didn't enjoy a movie. And I'm like, we are absolutely effed if, if, if we're like at a point where the, these leftists are all sharing my tweet. My name was trending because leftists were, were quoting me and sharing it around. I had high profile YouTubers on the left. That was their big attack. That was it. Not a, not a policy position. Because what, 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 what do I tweet about where they're going to be like, this is something I disagree with. I look at things like that, I, that, which, you know, in turn, like the Alec Baldwin thing. That's why I think culture is the most important thing. Otherwise, or I, I should say, what's happening is that there are, there are people like Noam Chomsky, and we'll, we'll, we'll start talking about Noam Chomsky in a minute, who think that they own all culture, the entire country, and that they are the dominant force with supreme power. And then there are people who realize that's not true. And these people are moral absolutists and authoritarians. But I wonder, you know, if people, if any of those people will, will realize that they don't have the majorities they think they do. I think sometimes we might be too hard on ourselves. And I think we should celebrate some victories, especially when it comes to alternatives, whether it's this show, Rogan, and others. We have to understand, even with all the odds against us, even with the algorithms, even with the demonetizations, the down rankings, and the controlling of the algorithms, still, our voices are, are heard. And I think that's a victory in itself. But even if they do cancel Dave at these festivals, these festivals are missing out on a real discussion that people really want to have about these issues that is honest, that isn't censored, that isn't squeezy cleaned, that isn't people lecturing them about what they think is right. So I think these voices will always be heard in one way or another, and, and it's, it's a good thing. We, we did this event on Saturday. We had a bunch of people come out, and someone asked me about Joe Rogan, and they said they felt like Joe Rogan was letting us down in terms of the culture war and standing up for freedom and stuff. You know, and I basically was like, dude, Joe Rogan has done more for freedom than, you know, almost anyone else, and it's he's an incredibly powerful voice in media that, you know, we're grateful to have. But I will say, you know, I was disappointed that he performed at Madison Square Garden over the vax mandate. He says he's, he's against it, but here we go. And then we we were actually just talking before the show about CN, uh, about CNN with Sanjay Gupta and then Michael Malice. We were talking about how, you know, uh, uh, Rogan called Don Lemon a dumb mother effer. <laughs> yep. And then CNN yeah. tripled down. But you were you were you were you were mentioning to us about how he was defending CNN even. Yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan clearly has a personal relationship with Jeff Zucker, who runs CNN. Uh, but before he ran CNN, he was, he headed up NBC when Joe Rogan was, was, you know, doing Fear Factor over there. And, you know, on one hand, I respect that. You know, Joe Rogan has a personal relationship with someone. He doesn't immediately want to, like, throw them under the bus. But on the other hand, I don't know what to say. I mean, he was saying lots of things along the lines of, you know, well, media are important, you know, we've got to, you know, work with these, you know, people, we've got to deal with this. And it was just like completely conflicting. Like on one hand, they have literally just personally attacked him, slandered him on air, have said things that were patently untrue about what he did. Um, you know, I mean, the, the ivermectin thing was insane. I mean, the guy also took monoclonal antibodies, which is like the standard medical therapeutic. Well, why, why does, why doesn't he, why doesn't he sue? 
Well, that's a really good question. I mean, I, we really need more people that can stand up and challenge media organizations in ways that it's going to make them hurt. Uh, I've written a lot about this before where, you know, the media in this America have, you know, amazing libel protections. Um, it's very hard to sue a media company, especially if you're a, 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 a public figure and, you know, do anything with that. Um, and for a long time, I think that was a source of pride in this country, you know, in, in the UK and other countries, you know, there are a lot of frivolous libel lawsuits, but we've kind of gone to the extreme. Like I think maybe 60 years ago, there was a big public interest in protecting large media organizations that were doing important, you know, corruption reporting and things like that at a time when there weren't a lot of alternatives to do media stuff. Now, increasingly, you see things like the Covington kid incident, um, you know, just really capricious, mean stuff. Um, coming from the media directed by people clearly for political motivations where they're using these libel laws uh, as, a, as a sword rather than a shield. I mean, they know they can't be sued mm. or they know it's going to be difficult or costly to sue them. So they're just aggressively going after people in ways that are brutally unfair. You were what? saying before that Times v. Sullivan was kind of assuming that the, the media organizations were going to be ethical and maintain that and... Which was always kind of a bad assumption, but <laughs> yep. it was a much better assumption Very 60 bad. years ago than it is now, when clearly they just aren't. I mean, if you see what goes on, uh, you know, in CNN or any, frankly, major news organization where the New York Times editorial staff literally says words are violence. I mean, that is not a regime that we can prop up, you know, under the color of, you know, law. Um, you know, that needs to be ordinary citizens. Need, and, and even public figures like Joe Rogan need to have an, uh, an opportunity to go after these people and stop them from doing that stuff again. Give them an incentive. Bloody their nose. Say, don't lie about me again. When did the media become such an obvious propaganda machine? And I don't, I don't mean just I don't mean just politically. I mean, you look at Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Mm. The film Death Wish with Bruce Willis. This is a studio film. This is a A-lister Hollywood celeb. But Death Witch got panned by critics because they called it a gun nut masturbation film. Right. And it wasn't. It was a, it was a revenge film like any other action film, but they went nuts on it. And that said to me, it's not about making money for Hollywood. It's about making sure only specific ideologies get the promotion from the machine. I, I think it's Jon Stewart. Jack Posobiec said this on the show last week that Jon Stewart basically weaponized comedy and politics and combined them. And I was like, well, gee, I love Jon Stewart. It hurt to hear that. But before that, it didn't exist. And after that, it started to. We also have to admit that this is their greatest weapon, but it's also their, their greatest weakness. Because the more disingenuous, the more they lie, the more they just make stuff up and attack children or, or grandmothers who meme at their door and try to dox them like CNN did. The, the more they just become more and more outrageous, the, the more people realize, hey, this is this is getting to a really sick level, and we need some alternatives here immediately. And they will turn to alternatives. The Onion kind of started it, too. The, when people saw how popular it was to just say things that were patently false and, like, put a little disclaimer at the bottom be like, by the way, this is all a joke. It was dangerous, you know, dangerous. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I, th- I think for a long time, you know, we had a healthier culture in the sense that there was kind of a cultural realm and there was a political realm. And there was a little bit of overlap, as there always was. But by and large, those things were kept separate. And, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of the postmodern influence, I think. Just everything got crazy meta. Like Andrew Bartbart used to say, you know, politics is downstream from culture. And that's that's true to a large extent. And there was this kind of like meta realization across the board that that was the case. So all of a sudden, the narratives in culture literally became the quote unquote narrative, meaning that they realized they could use that to control things politically. So. You know, in, in the case of Dune or something, we can't just talk about how House Harkonnen, you know, is an interesting metaphor that might have some salience for our political situation or whatever. It immediately becomes a, you know, a method of attack for Tim simply because he didn't enjoy a movie. You know, it, 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 everything is political now. Yeah. Well, it was, it was funny because Breitbart said politics is downstream from culture. Now we started hearing the social justice activists, the woke, saying that the, the culture is political. Or the cultural is political. And then you have people pushing back saying, no, it's not. And I'm like, it is. I, I, I think we should take Breitbart's statement one step further and say politics does not even matter. Hmm. The way I explained this before is uh, here, here's, here's an example. You know, you ever see those book wacky laws? Yeah. There's like laws from the 1800s where it's like no apple pies cooling on the windowsill on Tuesday at 7 p.m. <laughs> Never going to be enforced today. Why? Culture. The politics, the legislation, the laws are completely meaningless. Now, to a certain extent, that's I, I'm, I'm obviously being a little hyperbolic. If there's something on the books and we're like, I disagree with this law, and then they're going to be like, yeah, well, you know, the law is the law. And you go, oh, I guess. However, over time, when culture changes, those laws become completely meaningless. And they can remain in the books. And politicians, politicians can say that you can't do that. And people do it anyway. So if, if that's the case, then culture is everything. And if we're not advocating for freedom and liberty and pushing back against authoritarianism, then you will live in authoritarian woke matrix. And that's where the, 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 the Democrats, the, the people who live in these bubbles, the activists screaming at this guy at the, at the Dave Chappelle thing, they live in the social credit system. You can choose to live in it or you can choose to walk away. But right now we're seeing it get bigger and bigger. And Dave Chappelle has just been flunked out of the social credit system. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of truth to what you just said. Um, I mean, the whole point of the way the American political system was set up previously, it was to be a quote unquote limited government precisely because they expected everyone to live basically the full spectrum of their lives in the cultural sphere. And now you can't get away. I mean, and, and that is in and of itself very much a form of tyranny. You know, we, we're, we're basically two separate cultures mm. demanding each other abide by the rules of the other. And that can't, that, that is untenable. At least two. The court of public opinion is so real. They, uh, and then now that everyone's in public, it's like, it's like the evolution of law. Like, like, obviously if Beaumarchais, for instance, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, he was a French revolutionary, basically aided the Americans and was like the number one French guy that helped. He should be what, considered one of the founding fathers. He got into legal trouble, but because he was such a celebrity, they just overlooked it, let him out. 
Um, and that and what we saw like with Alec Baldwin. Uh, <laughs> maybe with what we're going to see with Alec Baldwin, like what we saw with uh, uh, what the the guy that kneeled on George Floyd's neck. I mean, that was public opinion. That was a a court of public opinion that transpired. And Rittenhouse, we'll see what happens. So the yeah. laws they write them down on paper, but in reality, it's what the people feel and say and do that matters. And we have to add another layer to this, that that is also manipulated because when you look at what's promoted, highlighted on social media, what's shown to you first, it's the ideas that they want you to believe in. So if they want to make everyone feel that everyone's outraged about this specific thing, they're only going to be showing you that on social media to the point where it actually creates that situation because everyone's going to see, this is what people are doing. I want to fit in. I want to be normal. I'm going to be doing this as well. So I, I would actually point at big tech social media as being far more responsible at setting the culture than, of course, the mainstream media. Less and less people are watching the mainstream media. Less and less people are watching Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert. People hate to be lectured to. People hate to be preached to. And that's exactly what the mainstream media does. I mean, just a couple years ago, I remember Leno and Letterman. And and the way I remember them is that they would make fun of the Democrats and the Republicans. They would talk about celebrity gossip, nonsense. They would rarely get as political as the current commentators do now to the point where we have all these commentators saying the same thing at the same time slot with very little political difference uh, because they're literally preaching establishment uh, bootlicking talking points. If we see a fascist dictatorship take over, it's going to be corporate. Of course. Yes, without a doubt. The corporatocracy, the the multinational corporations, they're the ones essentially here – creating not only the ESG score that that we talked about with Jack Posobiec when he was on the show. This is a very important element corporate to this. Corporate social credit score. The corporate mm-hmm. social credit score. These are the people calling the shots here and with them calling the shots, they not just they don't just implement this, they create this idea that this is popular, this is what this is public opinion. They shape public opinion right. by by pretending that it is reality when in the beginning phases it's not. L- let's go with a little bit of good news, but also kind of bad news. And I'll start with a question. Uh, Joe Biden recently appeared on CNN. Mm. Uh, Mark, how many viewers do you think they attracted to that spectacle with the president <laughs> of these United States? So because I'm an insane media junkie, I believe it was 1.42 million. 1.42. Oh, Fox what? News has 1.2. Okay, sorry. I, I <laughs> you, were giving, you were giving too much to Joe Biden. I, I was quoting <laughs> CNN math. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we, we have the story from Fox News. CNN's Brian Stelter avoids networks poorly watched Biden town hall and reliable sources. Media show, CNN's primetime event averaged only 1.2 million viewers, finishing in third place behind Fox News and MSNBC. Think about what this means. That doesn't mean what you think it means. My initial reaction was, wow, people would rather watch the daily Fox or MSNBC as opposed to the president give a town hall. Man, Biden must suck. Well, the better way to put it is people don't care about Biden. They would rather watch their, 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 their cannon fodder for the culture war. That's that's what's actually important. Biden is irrelevant in the culture war. He was not Trump. Therefore, he got votes. But right now we're seeing that for one. okay, here's the good news. CNN is in crisis. You know, they can't even get more than they can't. They can't even get a couple million viewers off the president himself. That's also indicative of what's happening to this country with Fox and MSNBC doing better. People want the fight. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. But at the same time, I mean, CNN has become MSNBC. I mean, there's no difference there. I mean, for a long time in cable news, there was they differentiated themselves. Fox was a conservative network. MSNBC was a liberal network. And CNN was, they were the liberal media, but they were at least trying to, like, you know, present themselves as the acceptable alternative that could be shown in airports. Um, now, I mean, they're... 
they're it, they're deranged. I mean, they're primetime network. I mean, their primetime programming, I mean, it's not really in tone and substance different from MSNBC in terms of their political tilt. Don Lemon may be one of the stupidest people <laughs> I have ever seen. Uh, hey, that, Cuomo is also on that network. That's so true. We have yeah. to, hey, hey, you're insulting helps. stupid people now. Do you remember when Don <laughs> Lemon asked if the missing Malaysian airline may have been sucked into a black yes, hole? Yeah, I remember that. That's a true story. Good stuff. That's the that, that's that's CNN desperate <laughs> for ratings. He's like, but is it possible? I know it's preposterous, but is it preposterous? Yes. And people were like, oh, come on, Tim. He was just having a little bit of fun. And I'm like, dude, if you want to speculate on what could have happened to a plane, a black hole swallowing it is the stupidest possible thing (laughs) to even joke about because a black hole wouldn't be able to get anywhere near the planet without destroying substantially more than just one airplane. But that's CNN for you. These are the trusted name in, in news, yeah, Tim. I mean, news. they're the ones that YouTube trusts more than anyone else. They're the ones that they're, they, they get put on the top of the list. They get shown to everyone. So years ago, David Foster Wallace wrote this really interesting essay about conservative talk radio for the Atlantic back in the day. Supposedly, Wallace was an interesting guy. Uh, supposedly, he was a big Rush Limbaugh fan. I don't know if he agreed with Limbaugh's politics, but like he just liked listening to radio. And he made this observation in the, in the piece where he was talking to all these talk radio people about how they would harp on the same subjects over and over again, um, about how they compared talk radio and, and the ideas that and the way they talked about things to um, you know, regular radio where it's like, look, just because the morning DJ played the hit song doesn't mean that you as the evening DJ don't get to play the hit song. Everybody wants to hear the hit song. And I think cable news has carried that approach forever. Like the Malaysia Airlines thing is a classic example. Like they just, you know, clung to this story because it was getting CNN meager ratings at the time. And then they were in a slow news cycle for a couple of weeks. And so they just pumped that story. So you get Don Lemon, who's already, you know, has the brains God gave trout, you know, saying things about black holes eventually. Right. He ran out of stuff to talk about, but they're still clinging to this model where they just say the same things over and over and over again. And the uh, media environment isn't even what it was 10 years ago, where you have so many other alternatives. You want to hear a new and fresh perspective. You got a million other things that you can hear rather than, you know, one of three or four broadcast networks, and they just haven't woken up to that reality. It's well, crazy. I think what they realized is that with the internet and the infinite, you know, field of choices, that they need to find their specific audience that will stick to them and why. It used to be that there were very few channels to watch. You know, we had four major networks or whatever, and then all of a sudden you have the cable channels. And CNN was getting massive viewership just by virtue of being 24-hour news. I mean, they were they were the original, you know, 24-hour news channel, so they had the ratings. People would turn it on in airports and hotels, and they worked these deals out. With the Internet, people can choose to go read whatever news they want. Yeah. And they can choose the news that's actually comforting to them, and they do, which is bad. So CNN realized we better start pandering as much as possible to a certain crowd. And when Trump came out, the stuff that made him the most money was not liking Trump. So then they said, we need opinion guys who don't like Trump. So now they're MSNBC. How do you recover from that, though? Because when Trump's gone, what do you got left? Well, that's it. And the other part of that story, though, was the credibility they lost during that time because they went so hard after Trump. They went down, say, a Trump-Russia collusion rabbit hole that, you know, I just don't even know how that you can even call yourself a journalist after publishing that stuff. That's crazy. For so many years. Mm -hmm. I mean, and again, they, they just are like buffaloing through all this. Like, like new media doesn't exist. Like, you know, the fact that they have been undermining trust on, on the, like the major story that occupied a news cycle for three years turned out to be false. I mean, 
They're just pretending. They win awards for it. And yeah. they attack people that call them out on it. The people who, from the very beginning, were like, they're full of crap. There's no evidence. There's no documents. There's nothing to prove their story. I think the They New were vilified. I think the New York Times won a Pulitzer for... Yeah. Um, for their Trump Russia reporting in what was it like March of 2019, yeah. and the Mueller report happened like three months later. I mean, like literally everything they just won a Pulitzer for was like invalidated. It's madness, and yet they just pretend that it, 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 th- these things aren't happening. Like, I look. I mean, I, this is a, a great show. I'm a fan of the show. I'm here tonight because I enjoy it, but I've also got a book to promote, and I'm here because you guys are legit competition to the cable news. You've got a million subscribers on on YouTube. Cable news people don't think that way. They're still kind of, you know, in the dark about this. And it's, and it's because they're so egotistical. They don't understand Americans are hungry for other perspectives. And they don't understand we have alternatives. And they don't understand they're, frankly, getting better information elsewhere. They're also you, you know, uh, public companies, so they have to make profits. This company will make profits because it's awesome and well-designed, but it's not about the profits. It's about the message. Hmm. I get invited on Fox News a lot more than I than I used to. I've been I used to be, be invited on periodically for like specific stories. Now it just feels like the guys over at Fox will hit me up, you know, twice a month or whatever, and be like, "Hey, do you want to come on this segment?" You know, I just did a segment the other day, and I was thinking to myself afterwards, like, "Why am I even doing this anymore?" <laughs> like they they hit me up and they're like, "Yo, we'll send it a van. It's really easy. It's it's ten minutes. You just pop in." And I'm like, "Me, yeah, sure, why not?" Right. And then I this time around, I got out of the truck. They have these satellite vans, or they're not satellite vans. They're they're cell bonding vans. And I was just like, why am I even bothering going on this, you know, to, 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 to do, talk for a few minutes? And, and I'll tell you, like, my thought process was shows like this, it's raw. It's just a couple hours. We talk. I do have a bunch of stories I'm like I want to get to, and I don't want to make sure we don't just beat a dead horse and talk about too much over and over again. So I'll be like, okay, let's you know, try and change the subject on this. You know? so, so there is some structure to it. But for the most part, if a conversation happens, a conversation happens. You go on Fox News and they're like, some days they're like, it's going to be five minutes. And they talk to me for 10 and I'm like, what's going on? Like, they're still talking to me. And then they were like, you were doing so well. They just kept going with it. And I'm like, I got a deadline. I got to be inside. And there are some times where they're like, it's a 10 minute segment. And they're like, oof. And they just cut it off after the first sentence because they don't want you to say what you're saying or they don't like what you're saying. Mm. And I'm just like, people don't want this. People don't want, you know, I think there's, I think this is why you see, the key demo ratings for these big networks are in the gutter. Their overall ratings are good. If you go by key demo, we absolutely beat all of the big cable shows. Yeah. I mean, for a number of years now, I just refused to do interviews with the mainstream media. There's, there's nothing to win. A lot of people, you don't get that engagement. You don't get that kind of honest, real uh, kind of conversations that could really delve into issues that people could get to know you from, that people could interact and engage with you. Like here, I got the comment section open because your voice matters. I, I want to interact with you people. Back there, they have makeup rooms. They they live in this kind of world of delusion where they think they're all mighty and powerful and they have the money to pretend that they are. But at the end of the day, it's just pretend for them. Well, I'll push back a little and, and simply say that, you know, for the time being, a lot of these organizations still do bring a level of sort of resources, if nothing else, and or, you know, some degree of professionalism in terms of editing and other things that most, you know, online media outlets uh, that are competing with new media outlets 
can't, haven't quite caught, caught up to. Some of them have. More of them will. We'll get to that point. Um, you know, so they still do some good work and, but, and they're still very influential within, you know, the, a lot of narrow yeah. circles that matter. Republican congressmen are watching Fox, Fox News and, and, and that matters, you know. Trump is watching Fox News. But uh, I would, yeah. I would pu- push back and I would say that, uh, when, when we're talking about ethics, the mainstream media has a very lower quality than people online. Look at WMDs. Look at the lies that they told them, the effects that they've been having and, on people and, that cost people to die. And Republicans care more about the opinion of the New York Times than they do of the opinion of their constituents. Yes. Yeah. And, and, but th- this is the thing. One thing about Trump I will say is I think Trump woke up Republicans specifically and Americans more generally to the problems of getting mixed up with the media. Um, Trump was the first, you know, sort of, large public figure that basically said, you know what? I don't have to do, I don't have to leak the story of the New York times. I can leak this story to Breitbart or whatever, and it'll have just as much of an effect. And that was like a really threatening realization to them. The fact that he could go through alternative media and frequently did. And that was, I think what made the media hate them a lot. But, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, I mean, it is totally true that the way that the main media has become so adversarial and openly so politically, I tell this to ordinary people all the time. I, I, this happens. I'll talk to people. They will, they'll be, because I, you know, know people out in the hinterlands. They're like, you're, you're a journalist. Someone from the Chicago Tribune or New York Times called me and they wanted to talk about this thing that's happening in my business. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, 95% of the time, I'm like, absolutely not. Do not talk to that Do you person. know the story of Mayo Gate? Uh, no. So uh, let's tell the story of Mayo Gate. There was a uh, tweet from the North Carolina GOP. It was a quote from a story about a business that said, inflation's really bad. We're spending 200 bucks a week more in mayonnaise. And so all of a sudden, because it came from Republicans, Democrats, Huffington Post, Slate, I don't know, a bunch of these, I, I think it was Slate, a bunch of these lefty, lefty outlets picked up the story and said that the restaurant owner was lying about the cost of mayonnaise to make Joe Biden look bad. They did this ridiculous math where, where they were like, if the consumer price index is up 5%, $200 would mean that they're spending $3,700 per week on mayonnaise. Or did I say month? It's 200 bucks per week on mayonnaise. And so, you know what I did? Um, journalism. I huh. called the restaurant and I said, is this, you know, such and such restaurant? I'm looking for the owner. And the guy said, I'm one of the partners. And I said, I saw a story where um, there's a statement from one of your, you know, uh, principals that you were spending $200 a week more on mayonnaise. And he went, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we go through about, you know, I can't remember the exact numbers, but he's like, we use these big five-gallon drums, about 10 of them. They've jumped up about 18 bucks per, per, uh, per, you know, canister or whatever. So, you know, do the math. It's like 180 bucks, 200 bucks. We rise it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, why do you use so much mayonnaise? Oh, it's, it's, we use it for everything. It's, it's for, you know, people put on their sandwiches. Of course, we use it for salad dressings. It's used in recipes. So we, we go through quite a bit of it. And I was like, and what's your restaurant's capacity? It's 250. And I'm like, okay, so if you're hitting near capacity or half capacity, everybody gets a side of mayo or coleslaw or something on their sandwich. Yeah, going through mayonnaise. But they just made up a response, accused this guy of lying. And that's why, you know, like the guy, I ended up getting a call back from someone else there who was just like, I can't believe this is happening. We didn't say anything political. Hmm. And I'm like, this is why you don't talk to the press. I'm actually getting, I've been getting hit up to do shows from people and uh, shout out to Clint Russell and Bob Murphy, Econ. Uh, But I'm concerned, even just YouTubers, because if someone does an edited show, like I'm already ridiculous on an unedited live show. <laughs> if someone wants to take me out of context, they could destroy the way I seem. So even yep. like legit YouTube channels that edit their stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm warning signs go off when they ask me. So for, as someone who's a 20 
plus year veteran of you know major news organizations. This is something I will say that has been a huge shift in the last five or ten years. With this milkshake ducking thing that did not used to happen. And now all of a sudden, if a private citizen finds themselves in the crosshairs of a national political story and it cuts against what the media wants, they will destroy them. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Do you want to explain mm-hmm. the milkshake duck thing to people? So, um... I don't even remember the actual origins of the meme. Somebody would have to like look that up for me. But but basically, it's like internet speak for you know taking you know going through a person's like social media history and trying to find you know something to um, discredit them um, when they become a matter when when they, when they become the center of public. It, 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 the original meme was something to do with like uh, a guy who created a comic or something that everyone loved trying to be a Nazi or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Mm. But but there was that remember the classic example I think was who was that guy who, like asked a question at a that was wearing a sweater. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ken Bone. Yeah, oh, yeah. everyone was so enamored with him or whatever. And then, like, two days later, you know, everyone's, like, digging up the fact that he had yep. said some, you know, off-color thing on Reddit once upon a time. This is a, the milkshake duck is from Ben Ward. Yeah, that A.K.A. at Pixelated Boat on Twitter. I, uh, um... I'm pretty bullish on some kind of national dissolution, peaceful divorce, national divorce, civil war, whatever... And you're bullish I, on civil war. Yeah. Like, I don't mean to say that's something I want. To something happen. you want. Oh, you're saying that you're, you're thinking the likelihood like, of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it like, wow, that's going to happen. Okay. And it's, it's crazy that there's been a lot of things that, you know, uh, Jack Murphy likes to mention this. It was last year in January, we had a conversation about a lot of things. We predicted a bunch of stuff that was going to happen based on what we were seeing. And I remember Jack hitting me up being like, dude, you need to go back and watch the episode we did. It was like the first guest we ever had. Oh, yeah. And he was like, we predicted a lot. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, dude. And I was like, wow. So I see these things in media. And I I, I think one of the things about it, there are a lot of people who tell me I'm crazy for bringing it up. But now it's starting to change. Man, I thought it was so funny. Uh, I'm not afraid to speak my mind and give my opinions, even if people think they're dumb. Like when I was like, I didn't like Dune. Everyone's like, you're insane. Dune's the greatest movie. I'm like, I don't care if I if I feel a way, I'll say it. Back in the day, when I used to talk about Civil War, people would be like, you're nuts. It'll never happen. 
Now I have people being like, so you've been talking about Civil War. Like I did Russell Brand's podcast, and he's like, yeah, yeah you said Civil War. And then I, I go through all the details. We had a shooting in Pacific Northwest. Let me show you this story so you can explain, uh, so you can understand how I feel. This is a tweet from Max Blumenthal. He's a leftist, and it's from a show, Primo Radical. It says, Noam Chomsky doubles down on his previous call for the state to segregate the unvaccinated from society. Quote, how can we get food to them? Well, that's actually their problem. Let me play this um, video. When you talk about folks having the uh, freedom to you know, separate if they don't want to abide by these vaccine mandates, what would that look like on a practical level? Does that mean that folks uh, need to to stay home and have like groceries delivered to them? Does it mean like separated communities of folks who are unvaccinated or just, you know, how do you think this would practically play out? Same way as with people who say that I don't want to, re- I don't want to accept traffic rules. I suppose Stupid there were argument. people who said it's an attack on my liberty to make me stop at a red light. It's government overreach. We don't want the state to have that power over my private life. Well, such people have to be, they should have the decency to remove themselves from the community. If they refuse to do that, then measures have to be taken to safeguard the community from them. Then comes the practical question that you ask, uh, how can we get food to them? Well, that's actually their problem. Uh, Of course, if they really become destitute, then yes, you'd have to move in with some measure to uh, secure their survival, uh, just as you do with people in jail, for example. So there you go. This is Noam Chomsky. He is a prominent figure on the left. That's why they interview him. And this had to be probably the most infuriating thing I've ever heard. But at least Noam Chomsky has become senile enough to admit (laughs) what they want to do. It's not about vaccines. It's about mandate. You saw him talk about traffic laws. Yeah. Yeah. If someone blew a stop sign, are we going to put them in a camp and then <laughs> and then deliver food to that? No. <laughs> but think about what he's saying. The same thing that happens if someone refuses to abide by traffic laws. Yeah, they get a slap on the wrist. Ticket. They get a $20 ticket yeah, and they're told to go home. So when I brought up vaccine mandates, I, said, I, I tweeted this. I said, the left tries claiming that vaccine mandates have been around forever. Weird. I don't recall being carded for my medical information entering a bar before, but if you say so. And then in come the leftists being like, all of these mandates for like smallpox. Smallpox mandate. Supreme Court ruling, 1905. It was the Jacobson ruling, I believe it was called. It was over a $5 fine. The guy didn't want to pay the equivalent of $150 for not getting the vaccine. They didn't say you weren't allowed to go to restaurants. They didn't say to stay home. They didn't say we were going to segregate you from society. They didn't say we were going to cut you off from food. They said, pay about 150 bucks and you're done. And he said, no, took him to court. The court said, you know what? They can find you over this. And that was it. And from that ruling, we got, I think it was, was it the Beck ruling? In the 19, in 1927, where they ended up sterilizing 70,000 women because they used the justification of government mandated medical procedures to sterilize people, the state deemed imbeciles. Mm. So when you see Noam Chomsky say, segregate these people from society, and if they want food, that's their problem. I hope you're paying attention to what prominent leftist figures are saying they want to do to your kids. Then don't come to me and say, but Tim, I can't stand up for my rights. My kids need food. Congratulations. When you don't, Noam Chomsky's going to come and take it away. And it's not just Chomsky. It's not just commentators. It's world leaders like the prime minister of New Zealand that Mm -hmm. was asked directly 
Uh, are you creating a, a two-class society of people who are vaxxed and unvaxxed with special privileges for the ones that are vaxxed? She responded resoundingly, yep. And and that's what they're literally doing in implementing as far as policies here. And we have to be made aware of that. So plagues have been a major thing in human history. And there actually is this like extensive legal tradition of the state having extraordinary powers in the time of plague to do all kinds of things for quarantines and all this other stuff. But that was back again when you're talking about smallpox pre-vaccine that like, you know, people were like dying in the streets with open sores and like was incredibly contagious that was, you know, killing, you know, three quarters of entire towns. Like the survivability rate of COVID is, you know, extremely high. And they're treating this like it's, you know, again, smallpox pre-vaccine. I mean, it it doesn't, it never has justified these kinds of draconian measures. Ian brought up a really good point uh, recently when he, when he asked us about the, you know, where the line is in terms of vaccine mandates. And And I was like, I don't think what we're seeing warrants the kind of mandates they're doing. And then Ian was like, okay, so, but if, but if it's Ebola, then their rights be damned. And I was like, it's a good point. You're like airborne Ebola. It's aerosolized and people's insides are liquefying and they're dying. And then I was just like, you know, I think about it and I'm still like, then you should isolate yourself from, from everyone else if you don't want to take those risks, which, which brings me back to the original ruling that the left tries to cite. And I want to say, I'll say two things. One, they said, if you don't get the vaccine, it is a $5 fine. Yeah. Just like if you blow a red light, they say it is a $50 ticket. $5 back then was about 150 bucks now, as I stated. So for Noam Chomsky to say the same thing that happens. The other thing they bring up is schools, MMR vaccines. Yeah. If I want to go to McDonald's for a cheeseburger, I don't have to present my cards yeah. because of schools. Yeah. Still something completely different. But my, my, my greater point was if they're openly saying, if we have the power, we will do this to you. Then the only outcome I see, I see this. I see two groups of people pointing the finger saying, live by my rules or else. Technically, it's not true. The right tends to be saying, leave me the F alone. And the left says, shut your goddamn mouth. We are going to lock you up if we have to. There's also a lot of pushback against Chomsky, uh, against his point of view here. One person writes, glad I was able to learn a lot from reading and watching Chomsky and glad I was smart enough to learn when it was time to stop listening to Chomsky. Yeah. So, so that, yep. Another person so, just chatted here also. Noam Chomsky is the is the Grinch who stole liberty uh, yes. and I would have to agree <laughs> this, with that person. This is my entire life. It's, it's insane. People have been following Noam Chomsky around, transcribing his every utterance. Like literally, that's what they do with him. And the only other figure in human history I can think of where they did this was Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> and he is not Jesus Christ. I mean, like, he's said so many like dumb and ill-considered things over the years. I think he happens to have said some interesting things over the years. What he was saying about corporate media in the eighties was interesting. No. Uh, but you know, he's, he's spouted off on so many topics over the years that go so far beyond his quote unquote domain of linguistics or whatever it is that the fact that we're still listening to him at this point in time, never mind that he's saying things that are terrifyingly authoritarian. But let's, know. let's, let's think about what he's saying. When he says we would need to take measures to protect society, from the people who won't get vaccinated. He is operating under the assumption that he is society, that he controls it, and that it's his. It's not true. So here's what I posted. When he said, the food, actually, that's their problem. No, no, actually, that's your problem. Farmers support Trump, 85 to 12. Oh, boy. Truckers support Trump, 10 to 1. 
So if you think you're going to isolate these people from society and then you will be trying to be the nice person to figure out how to feed them, you're sorely mistaken. Yeah. You'll isolate the people who, who bring the food to your city and then they'll give you the finger and you'll say, but wait, I'm hungry. That's not sugarcoated. He's calling for camps. He's calling for people oh, yeah. to be relocated yes. outside of society, outside of their homes, put into special facilities. Where they are concentrated. Where, where, yeah. And then yes. we, would, exactly. we would ensure their yeah. survivability yeah. much like jail. Australia is already building camps for 2020 and 2022 Built. and 2023. Yeah, they They're still building even more on top of that. So this is not even in the realm of conspiracies. This is not only just being talked about by Chomsky. This is being activated in parts of the world right now where they have camps for people who don't comply. The CDC director just came out today and said that they, she has a plan for unvaxxed government employees and police and it's to re-educate and to provide counseling yes, for them. She that. said specifically, quote, there's a plan should these people not want to be vaxxed. Uh, what's the plan? What's the exact details? She didn't really if, get into all of that. If you're using the word re-educate unironically, yeah. I mean, you, 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 you're, you're the bad person. You here. see that yeah. New Zealand prime minister lady? Yeah. yeah. No, I saw that. <laughs> when she was, when, when she was asked by a reporter, are you going to be creating two classes of people? Yes. That's exactly what we're doing. Yes. I, <laughs> I think it's cool. They're not even hiding it. Nah, They're yeah. so em- emboldened by the mainstream media cheering them up and blowing smoke up their tuchuses. Family-friendly show. Well, I would have said something else. Let's also not forget but, that they're they're shifting the definition of what's vax now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden I, it's going to include you know you don't have your seventh booster for the you know um, you yeah. know Omicron. Just like they shifted the definition for herd immunity as well. They mm-hmm. slowly University, and surely destroy the language. University of Denver flu vaccine mandate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know I I'm just so astounded. That we as a species can make so many movies, books, shorts about apocalyptic futures and nightmare dystopias. And right now we're living in one and people are like, this is fine. Seeing that story about Noam Chomsky and then seeing people, high profile blue check marks agreeing with him. You really, you, you realize who the Nazis would have been. Well, there's also something here, which is just that our culture is so empty and devoid of meaning here now you know, look i'm just speaking as a christian you know like i live for things other than what my government does on a day-to-day business uh, on a day-to-day on, on, a, on a day-to-day basis um but the fact that these people are the number one thing that they're afraid of is just dying constantly you know what i'm not afraid of dying i'm yeah. professionally not afraid of dying for something i believe in and once upon a time that was the dominant attitude in america people had things they were willing to die for you know, that's a really interesting thing. You maybe just realized something. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of not living. Mm-hmm. So for me, mm-hmm. when they say things like, you have to live in a cubicle, locked down, you can't go outside, people would rather not live but be alive. I'm the other way around. I would rather risk my life in order to live. Right. Well, look, they're going to get to live in, in Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse or whatever it is. <laughs> whatever <laughs> VR goggles they bolt to your head. And their beautiful pod. <laughs> People are going to gleefully enter the Matrix. You know? it's it's Some it's, of them are. Well, but th- that's the classic Huxley-Orwell distinction, right? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, everyone Pleasure always puts Orwell, but, you know, the reality is Huxley probably got it more right than Orwell. Yeah. You know? We're all going to sleepwalk into this because it seems like the fun thing to do. I actually think Luke got it more right. Oh, yeah. Revenge of the Nerds or no, the they, other one? The you Are Here uh, shirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, the I, shirt with all of the dystopian novels and we're in between all of them. Mm-hmm. Because it is government overreach, but it is the, yeah. the pleasureification. It also is the censorship like Fahrenheit. It also is <laughs> V for Vendetta. Right. Yeah. That's the funniest part it, of it. it very accurately, um, there's so many things in those movies that 
are playing out in true life. It's it's kind of off stunning. Why are we so good at predicting all of this? We're <laughs> so terrible at reacting to any of it. And why do people cheer on the people fighting against the big tyrannical governments and corporatists, but yet on May, on, you know, and in the real world, they're cheering them on. This well, might yeah, like this Julian is my, Assange, but then Trump was like, I don't know who Julian Assange is. Well, he, yeah. This is my favorite point to make about the original Threw Star Wars, the A New Hope. I always ask people, like, hey, are you a fan of Star Wars? Yeah, sure. You, you like the A New Hope? Uh, the original one? Yeah, yeah like the very the, first the original one. original trilogy, yeah. You sure. think a story about a bunch of religious zealots who come from a desert, take a cargo plane, and blow up a military base is a cool story? I mean, I guess, but I was also raised Mormon. So, uh, <laughs> um, but, 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 but perspective yeah, yeah, is the, exactly. is, you know. So my former colleague, Jonathan Lass, is a guy that wrote the famous essay about how the, you know, the, the Empire were actually the good guys, right? Um, that, you know, got a lot of traction back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally see where you're coming from with that. I'd love to do a, a series of short films, Villains as the Good Guys. So we could do a ton of different movies and do like a five-minute short film where it just breaks down, does like a quick, you know, overview of the bad guy's actually the good guy. And Darth is like, I tried for so long with just you, like Luke. Just I like, tried. Just like that Karate Kid video on YouTube that describes Karate Kid, but in a totally different light and perspective. Right, right. And, yeah. But they made a show about it. Yeah. yeah and Cobra the Kai, basically. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Darth Vader, he's a disabled veteran, bro. There you go. He's a, he's a, <laughs> he's a war hero of the Clone Wars. If you joke about it enough, was, it just may come true. There was a galactic civil war and he lost his limbs fighting against religious zealots to mm-hmm. save, mm-hmm. you know, what the government in shambles. Now, of course, we know the emperor was secretly fomenting all of this stuff. That's besides the point. You know, Darth wasn't in on it. Well, Mark he asked the question, why we're so good at like coming up with these stories, but we're so bad at reacting to them. And I think that is because people who create art have a much deeper understanding of human nature than the people who make our policies. Because looking at the way Democrats are trying to handle this pandemic, they are assuming that people are going to go along with them if they force them to do it. Like, have you ever met an American? That is not a good way to get an American to do anything. But look, at these, look at these protests in yeah. New York. Have you yeah. seen these these crossing the bridge chanting let's go brandon exactly and the day before that the Kyrie irving protest outside yeah, right. of the barclay center where they stormed in to try to get into the barclay center and there was they pretty much had a lot of people out there I, all chanting let Kyrie play i'm you know, like i'm glad the fight in this country isn't you know dead but having said that you know i don't know maybe this is you know my age and you know stature talking as it were but i I, I have a feeling that even 25 years ago, so much of what we're seeing would have been a non-starter. Um, yeah. And not just because of the technological stuff um, that enables this, but simply because the cultural attitudes were like so much stronger in terms of... And people were stronger, ha- healthier, happier, mm-hmm. and had more families. And now we have a lot less but, of that. But then all of the mainstream stuff would have been put on ABC, and it would have been fact. We would have thought, oh, millions no. of people have been this and that, and like yeah, all this... Yeah, no, he's right. Vietnam War... I mean, there was a huge push. But that was against they that, realized they the mistake they they realized the mistake they made by putting cameras there, so they didn't do it for the first Iraq war. They decided not course, to show the doors getting I'm, kicked yeah. in in the first Iraq war in the nineties. Yeah, mm-hmm. they showed like a, a news reporter sitting on a tank driving through the desert, but they didn't show like kids getting mowed down in their houses and stuff as the soldiers were kicking the doors in and, and white phosphorus. There was um, an age of muckraking journalism that skin. did make a big impact. But it, it's hard to kind of weigh these things. It's hard to really assess them by not living through them 
and 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 only having the reports from what happened uh, of the reports, not the actual events. So it's hard to say exactly what was the lynch point, if it was the media, if not. And I think it's impossible to answer those questions. Can I ask you, Mark, how old you are? I'm 45. 45. All right. So you're not old enough. I'm, I'm think. well, I guess you are a Gen Xer, right? Yeah. Ian, you're barely a Gen Xer, 42, right? 42, yeah. 42. Last year. I was watching the music video for Gotta Get Away by The Offspring. Ah. Mm. Uh, you're familiar with the... Uh, my high school band opened for them. For the oh, Offspring. cool. Yeah. No way. For real? <laughs> for real. Awesome. Wow. Cool. What was your band called? Uh, a really crappy high school band no one's ever heard of. Um, what, what, what year did the open? Shout them uh, out. This was, this was literally like... A month before Smash came out, this would have been like 1993 wow. at the Madrona Hill Winery, which is a <laughs> venue in Portland that no longer exists. You which, by the way, it's a really bad idea to have underage bands playing at a winery. I'm yeah, it is. Throw yeah. it out there. So the Offspring story I was reading about it. So when I was younger, they were like my favorite band. When I was like a little kid, learned how to play guitar, and now they're just amazing corporate shills. They fired their drummer because he couldn't get vaccinated because he has Guillain-Barré syndrome, and so I was just like reading about you know the, the, their, their album ignition sold i think fifteen thousand copies when it first came right. out i think it was epitaph and then when smash came out it just took the country by storm i think it might still be like the biggest it selling is. record to ever come out in an independent record label. yes that's mm-hmm. fact wow. that's true yep and so they these guys were like true punk rock underdogs they weren't really going to go anywhere and then all of a sudden it was mainstream i'm watching this music video for Gotta Get Away, which was, I think it was their third single off of Smash, which is, like as you mentioned, the biggest independent release of all time. And I see these, like, young people moshing and, you know, just raging out. And, like, this teenage angst from Gen X. And now Gen X have become such, like, pro-establishment shills. Rage on behalf of the machine. Mm. They're just totally in favor of the machine. Bad religion, totally in favor of the machine. Tom Morello is doing a newsletter for the New York Times right now. (laughs) (laughs) He has done one of those master class things. I mean, it... It's, I, it, he is what? Like the poster boy for selling out. So you're a little bit young, I guess, though, but like, what happened, man? I mean, you were old enough to see Smash come out. You played, what happened to this generation? How did they go from being, like, you, what you gotta understand about a punk album, that this music was not popular. It was not yeah. mainstream. <laughs> Trashy. And then all of a sudden, a million albums are sold or whatever. It's like, it's smashing records. And all of a sudden, now it is becoming mainstream. I guess these people, the the offspring, have a song on their first album whose name I can't say because it's a crime to say. I'm not kidding. Yeah, they removed it eventually. It's no longer the only way you can listen to it on YouTube by finding the full album version, and then it's the last song on the album. We cannot say the name of the song. It is a crime to say because it involves the president. Spicy. They get rid of it eventually. So it's it's almost like these 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 guys are anti-establishment up until someone slides the money under their door, and then all of a sudden of they're willing to fillet the state. So I'm kind of a music journalist, and I could go off forever on the whole, you know, alternative indie thing and like what happened specifically there. But just to go back to sort of the the broader cultural thing, um, there's this humorist named Joe Queenan, and he wrote this book that's basically a Jeremiah against the baby boomers, of which he is one. And there's this great line in there about the baby boomers. He says. 
they were not the first generation to sell out, but they were the first generation to sell out and then insist they hadn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's largely true of like every successive generation since then. I think the ones that have been subject to this onslaught of popular culture and mass media, it's very hard to get old and not, you know, withstand the peer pressure and be kind of like a true sort of like American, you know, um, you know, rugged individualist. Um, in that environment. It's and amazing. So- it's, a, it's amazing to me, uh, listening to a couple of the songs The Offspring put out, uh, Americana. They had Why Don't You Get a Job? Literally yeah. a song about getting a job because you're a lazy bum who won't pay the bills. Then they had the song, um, I can't remember which album this was. I don't think it, it might have been a conspiracy one. I'm not sure. Uh, Hit That, which is about hookup culture and how our country's basically in trouble because people are just going around partying and hooking up and not caring about having kids and a family. And I'm like, talk about a conservative punk rock band. Mm-hmm. But now where they're at, it's like you put the money in their hands. Rage Against the Machine quickly rages on behalf of that machine in two seconds. Well, the Rage Against the Machine, though, for let's be clear, that always pissed me off, right? Um, you know, they their first record came out on, like, Sony and Columbia, and they're all talking about, like, <laughs> marks in the, uh-huh. their, the liner right. notes and all of that. They were never raging against the machine. This is this is a true story. At the 2016 um, presidential, sorry, the our Republican National Convention in Cleveland, Prophets of Rage were doing one of their... Um, their lo- which was Tom Morello's like side project with Chuck D. They were doing some appearance at some protest or whatever. And I literally like leaped over the bushes and like tracked down Tom Morello. And I asked him finally after like 20 years, I said, does the irony of getting, you know, a large crowds to shout F you, I won't do what you tell me, you know, in unison over and over again. Did that ever like occur to you? Does it ever bother you? And literally he said <laughs> something like to me, like he had never even thought of it. Um, and like, that's the issue in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Like these people think they're rebelling when they're not. They're literally doing the opposite. They're literally encouraging people to march in lockstep and somehow telling themselves that they're anti-establishment at the same time. That cognitive dissonance is killing us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very good point. And I think we were at that protest, uh, 2016 at the Cleveland, was it DNC or RNC? Uh, RNC. At yeah. least I remember talking to Chuck D there. Uh, specifically about relating issues, but you, you made a very good point. You know, there's nothing better that could be ever promoted is for individualism, people to think for themselves and to just be critical thinkers. And a lot of these people are like, cheer for me, clap for me. And you just gotta love multi-million dollar communists. You definitely, you don't have to be smart to be a musician. They, that was one thing in high school was like, if you're not smart, be a musician, pretty much. I was at VidCon a few years ago. This yeah. Is the big YouTube convention. And I saw some little kids, and as I'm walking past, one kid goes, he's got to be like 10 years old. He goes, you have 80 followers? How did you get so many followers? And then some other kids like, dude, I have 93 on Instagram. And I'm like, these kids are going to be narcissists. Entrepreneurs, you know, but narcissists. I want to hear what you think, guys, think about the internet and how it changed the music industry completely. Like we had Nirvana, you know, didn't just scream it out and like all fake. Then the internet came out and it is kind of all fake. It's all fake. I mean, the underground music scene isn't fake. When you get when you get together with your friends, of course, of course, smash a show. When I was reading about the Offspring, I was genuinely surprised by their history. From they made an album that I mean, the song uh, uh, Tehran. Yep. Is a is a great song. I love that song. Are you familiar with with that at all? Yeah, the, the original. It's just a good song. Whether whether or not you like the message, right. you know. Then they had uh, Ignition come out, and they weren't selling. They were nobodies. The music wasn't popular. Imagine, you know, just like writing music. You know, people is not it's not mainstream, and then all of a sudden it becomes mainstream. 
that right there is where I'm like, wow, that's the coolest thing ever. And then to see how they instantly became just corporate machine, I'm just like, wow, that like just guts the whole idea. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden they're like, hey, we made it. We got to preserve this power we've made and not be true to ourselves. Yeah. Well, what happened in the early 90s there was a real anomaly culturally. Um, and I think that's what made it so impactful, though, um, in the sense that there was this very much a DIY corporate suspicion culture in, you know, Gen X. Um, you know, punk rock was all about rebelling against that in, in, in an actually sincere way, you know. And there were people like Ian McKay and other things like that that were actually committed to that. Um, you know, and well, I remember when Sonic Youth signed to Geffen, there was like a lot of hand-wringing among people like, you know, is this a thing that they are allowed to do because they're such beacons of integrity? And, of course, Sonic Youth were like, yeah, we need health insurance. You know, we're like old yeah. and have a family now. Hmm. And, like, you could be, like, somewhat sympathetic to that. But it was also true that... Um, the music industry was a victim of itself in terms of they had, you know, and I think there are sort of parallels to like what's going on today in a lot of ways where they had like force fed so much of the same crap to people. Like when I was growing up in the late eighties and you turn on the radio, you had two choices, Led Zeppelin or Whitney Houston. Yeah. And that was like it. Um, and for people were desperate for some other thing. And then when like Nirvana and some of these other things started to like really break through, the music industry didn't know what to do with themselves. They were just throwing money at bands, hoping that something would stick. And as a result, what happened was, is you got all of these, you know, bands that, you know, never in a million years, like who on earth would sign Dinosaur Jr. to a major label, <laughs> major label record deal? Um, yeah. But, you know, the fact that a band like Dinosaur Jr. actually got, you know, $250,000 to record an album meant that they were able to do something great they never would have been able to do. So it was actually that marriage of sort of corporate, you know, um, money combined with what that allowed them to do in terms of, well, at least back in the day before you had plugins and laptops and recording technology. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. Um, you know, you'd actually matter whether you got into an expensive studio with trained recording engineers and things like that. Um, so it was actually a confluence of, of establishment and you know, the underground that actually made things good, weirdly enough. And that was, I think, for a long time, kind of a strength where there were, there were aspects of American culture where you know, sort of the trained, well-resourced establishment would meet up with originality. And that was American innovation. And we used to do, you know, obviously there were always corporate sellouts, but we used to see those kinds of leaps regularly where all of a sudden the establishment would catch wind with something that was going on that was new and original, exciting, and those things would marry up. And we're not seeing that anymore. In fact, you know, what we're seeing right now with the media establishment, you know, they should be like figuring out what the next thing is. But they're still clinging to the cable news business model. Mm -hmm. The issue, I suppose, is when the left started to – there's a lot of things that happened in the culture war that resulted in the left becoming morally authoritarian. But because we've always kind of been a culture of, hey, racism is bad, sexism is bad, we should respect each other and respect civil liberties, when the moral authoritarians adopted those stances, advertisers just went, look, nobody wants to be a racist, so we'll just put money behind whatever they say, and we'll not put money behind anything they complain about. So like the Dave Chappelle thing. Yeah. Why should anyone cancel Dave Chappelle from a, from a festival? Because they're scared of the activists showing up and making them look bad and them losing money. So what should have happened, if you, if you look at, at least when I was growing up, the moral authoritarian right, the religious, and many of the Democrats were not cool. So nobody cared. Right. It was fun to be anti-establishment, to rage against the machine, and that's what was making money. So they said, now, the, the big companies are like, 
we're going to get a bunch of protesters and we're going to lose money because they're unwilling to compromise. There you go. Then you lose it. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing is we're going to start seeing, we are seeing this, Babylon B. Yeah. Absurdly funny. And predicting the future. Apparently, huh, uh, apparently Seth's psychic. Prophecy uh, they, fulfilled. They do a really good job of poking so much fun that these things actually they, they just end up happening. And it's and it's done, they've been doing a lot better than The Onion has because when you're scared to be offensive, you don't, you're not funny. So what I, what I think we'll start seeing is now people who don't care about being offensive, which tend to be the cultural right, whatever right wing actually means at this point, they're going to make shows, they're going to make movies, they're going to do comedy specials, everyone's going to love it. I think the left is shutting down their own industry by being scared to take risks and actually challenge. I think the Babylon B thing makes me very nervous when, when you, they'll do stories, for instance, like just ridiculous, ridiculous, like Joe Biden makes, declares it illegal to be a man. And then it'll be like, ah, ha, ha. So, and then two months later, Joe Biden declares it illegal to be, (laughs) and it's like, they see that and they're like, oh, okay. People didn't say no to it. That's a green light. Let's go. So it's like an authoritarian gateway. If you're not careful, satire can be. Uh, I don't Warning, know. guys. No, be I, 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 I disagree. I think it's it's just making fun of the absolute ridiculousness of our current society. One of the things that I just retweeted from the Babylon Bee is their latest headline saying, "Quote: Fauci hopes his experiments on puppies will distract everyone from experiments he performed <laughs> on humanity for the past eighteen months." So it's like it, it, it's social commentary to the highest level of, of using comedy as a way to make people laugh at the absurdity of reality and you know there are some people bowing down there are some people giving up but but there still is a need a hunger for those real honest real discussions uh and uh, very interestingly netflix um just launched a new show called inside job and it was number one (laughs) trending and I, I just watched one episode of it, and, like, my jaw dropped to the floor. Is I was like, good? no freaking way. I mean, they brought up issues that we would say here automatically cut. Uh, and and they, they brought up all the conspiracies that ever existed in a brilliant, funny way from Bilderberg and, and, and even deeper level stuff that you wouldn't even imagine. So they're, they, they just released a very spicy cartoon show that that goes into how corporations are controlling the world um i still haven't made up my mind on it It, it's funny but but it also is very deep i still haven't watched all the episodes i'm in the process of watching it but for them to release that on the backdrop of Chappelle might be sending a message i might be reading into into too much of it uh there's a lot of things i'm critical of netflix about but um I, i think there's a reason this show and other shows are doing so well and have such a you know, loving, caring audience that are even here when they're not even prompted to be here, unlike CNN. CNN oh. has everything going for them. We don't. And, 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 I'll, and I'll tell you why. So a uh, moment ago, we talked about civil war. Some people might say that's crazy. Fine. If you think it's crazy, by all means, you can think whatever you want. I must be crazy. I don't care. On major networks, will they talk about this? Probably not. Some of them, maybe. We recently saw MSNBC actually run a segment that said, could we be facing a second American civil war? Now, this is a conversation that's been in mainstream newspapers for years. But see, on this show, we're willing to talk about this from Fox News. Arrest Fauci trends on Twitter as doctor faces criticism for controversial virus research testing on dogs. I think there's only one cable TV show that would actually get more serious than us. And do you know who that is? Would you have a guess? One cable cable TV. Greg Gottfeld. Yeah, he's pretty good, but no. <laughs> that was kind of a Tucker joke. Carlson? Tucker Carlson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tucker Carlson goes a lot further than, than, than I yeah. would, you know, on a lot of these issues. So when we talk about Fauci and, and people wanting him to be arrested and stuff, oh, we'll talk about these ideas. We'll talk about the potential conflict of civil war. 
Tucker goes all in on all of it. So that's why I think obviously his ratings are so high. And then why is it that all these other networks ratings are in the garbage? Because it's fake and everyone knows it's fake and they're not talking about real things. You go outside. There's no food on the shelves at your store. You're asking yourself, what's going on? You turn on CNN, nothing. Orange man bad. You turn on MSNBC, nothing. Orange man bad. You turn on Fox and they're like, inflation's bad. It's Biden's fault. Or worse. And you open up the Washington Post and it's lower your expectations. Mm -hmm. Right. Why would I expect there to be pasta and frozen vegetables in my local grocery store? Both of which they've been like running low on forever now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really something. But let's, let's, we'll get, well, let's talk about this arrest Fauci thing because I don't know if Fauci should be arrested over this. There's a story going around where it shows two dogs, they're beagles, and their heads are secured in a box full of infected sand flies. And the dogs had their vocal cords slit so they couldn't bark or whimper as their faces were devoured by ravenous insects. Now, a lot of people are saying you should be arrested for it. And, I think there's a couple of things that, that, are, that are good here. People are starting to wake up to the kind of research being done for their, for their benefit, for their privileges. A lot of this research is unnecessary and insane. And people are asking, like, why would you do that? We know the flies would devour the face of the dog and put it in agony. But I think a lot of people need to realize the benefits, the wonderful technology, the medicines you have. It's because we experiment in animals, sometimes dogs. Yeah, and actually specifically with sandflies, I don't know exactly what they were researching with sandflies, but with sandflies, they're major carriers of parasitic diseases, mm-hmm. which are one of the few things that we really have terrible treatments for. Like there's this disease called leishmaniasis that's very prominent in Central and South America that does like horrible things to people. Um, like it literally like rots your face from the inside out. Um, and because it primarily affects poor people in these areas, it's only government testing that there's really an incentive to find any sort of cure because the pharmaceutical companies aren't in it because there's no, you know, financial incentive for it. So yeah, I mean, actually, I don't know exactly what they were doing with the sand flies, but I can see where doing, you know, research on parasitic diseases for all the havoc it wreaks, you know, testing on dogs might be necessary. A, a good friend of mine from high school is a, um, is a, um, um, is a biology professor at UT Austin. And, you know, he talked all, not biology. What is he? Neuro, neurology professor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he would tell me all the stories he had to do in, uh, the, the stories of all the experiments he had to do in monkeys and stuff. I mean, it's just absolutely necessary for the advancement of humanity. Um, if you care about that sort of thing. Now, uh, as for lying to Congress, <laughs> That's something that maybe we should talk right. about. Right. This reminds Arrest me of Fauci. Andrew Cuomo, how they went after him for the girl, him diddling with the girls as opposed to sending all those old people into nursing yep. homes. And it's well, like, yes. the, it evokes the emotional hashtag trending thing, but like what he really should be busted for is lying to Congress. Well, if it's what you said it was, there at least should be a debate. But we shouldn't be giving him the benefit of the doubt because he doesn't deserve any of it because he's been lying through his teeth about so many things. And at least we deserve answers to really find out what was the true cause and the true reason of these studies. I mean, there's there's even reports of Fauci-funded experiments that literally were used to destroy portions of monkeys' brain that would uh, magnify terror so they could uh, scare the crap out of them and study fear. So there's there's so many I different... I wonder why they would do that. Like, yes. What, what are they trying to learn about primate fear? Exactly. And again, mm-hmm. uh, apes are, are, are uh, 97% identical to human DNA. 
th- there's a lot of weird stuff happening and there should be a lot more transparency, a lot more accountability because we have to understand there's some, you know, beauty products that are tested in absolutely cruel and inhumane ways, torture animals. In, I, we can't even describe what happens here. The show would get taken down immediately. All for beauty products? Like, the, the, there should be a line. There should be a discussion. There should be more information. We don't have any of that. We have Dr. Fauci financing, essentially, the torturing of puppies. Why he did it? At this point of view, we don't know. But I'm willing to suspect something far more sinister, something far more worse, based on his prior behavior, from my own personal perspective. I think Fauci had a mustache. He shaved it off since then, but back then, he was twirling it, mm. saying, <laughs> we're going to kill these dogs yep. for fun. I could see it. And that was it. That was the only reason. At this point, maybe. <laughs> like, let's <laughs> no. be honest. Let's be real. Like We don't know. That's not a well, fact. We don't have a smoking gun here, but I'm not willing to exclude that out of our current reality with the way that he's been treating humanity. But it is insane that we, you know, We've got, he's gotten far more attention for the testing on dogs than the lying to Congress yeah. about funding research at the Wuhan facility that likely caused yeah. the pandemic. To the saw point where the, Stephanopoulos, yeah. and, and it, he was denying that he ever did it, uh, that he ever said that they were doing gain, that they ever did gain a function. And then they were like, let's play a clip from Rand Paul where he comes at you and they give this three or four second clip of Rand Paul. And then George Stephanopoulos just lofting softballs over to him saying, and oh, by the way, our experts confirmed you didn't do gain of, uh, gain of function. Right? And Fauci's like, yeah, of course, we didn't do gain of function. Insane. Yeah, Insane. Like gain of function research would be the manipulation of viruses to make them more infectious to human type cells, correct? That is correct. And you didn't do that. No, we only took cells and, and viruses and modified them so that they would be more infectious to humans. We didn't do gain of function as and, you And look how it. stupid Rand Paul is. Let's all, let's all focus on that. Well, weren't they re- recently like rewriting the CDC's website or whatever to redefine gain of function or whatever? I mean, yeah. it, it, no? it's insane. And the thing is he didn't just lie about this he got indignant yeah good job Rand. shaking and 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 I, it's just dude Rand Paul's all with, all with, and not just that this is connected to this larger narrative remember facebook banned all discussion of the lab leak because it was quote-unquote misinformation yeah. for a there, year that was all covering up this our culture has a rot at the core and there are corrupt people like fauci who let, let me just explain to you the level of insanity we're dealing with when Rand Paul holds up the study that says chimeric virus creation to increase infectivity on humans, definition of gain of function. Fauci, this, this study says funded by the NIH. And Fauci goes, we did not fund it. It's like literally holding the evidence. And then what do you get from the establishment and from the left and from Amazon BC? It's not true. Ignore it. And That's the insanity. Let's also mention here again that Senator Rand Paul is a medical doctor. Doctor yeah. Senator Rand Paul. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's not like he doesn't have some clue what he's talking about here when he looks at a research paper. He's an actual trained medical doctor. And then the left goes, <laughs> he's an ophthalmologist who hasn't practiced in years. Dr. Fauci is an infectious disease ex- expert. Who hasn't hasn't practiced practiced in in three decades? (laughs) (laughs) Rand Paul literally volunteers his time and goes down to places like Haiti and gives free uh, surgeries to people who can't afford it. So he's been practicing medicine on and off, yes. But at the same time, the mainstream media vilified him, attacked him every step of the way because he correctly now called out Dr. Fauci, which the NIH, Fauci's own organization that he was running, Call them out on. Yes, and, to, and the untrained media do such a great job of presenting medical information to us, too. You know, they're certainly in the catbird seat when it comes to criticizing Rand Paul. 
Yeah. Everything causes cancer and everything doesn't. Hmm. I love how the media does this. When I was little, I'd, I see a story. It was like smelling coffee could prevent cancer. More at 11. <laughs> and it's just like it was a slow news day. They looked up a journal. They said, here's a study that says one thing. The next day, smelling coffee could cause cancer. News at 11. Cholesterol was notorious. They'd be like, oh, cholesterol's great. Cholesterol's bad. Cholesterol's <laughs> actually very good for you. Watch out for cholesterol. There are I certain- remember I remember when the news of the NIH letter came out and broke. Fauci was on the mainstream media. They didn't question him about this. Right. They were talking about yeah. how great it is that kids were going to be vaccinated uh, from ages 5 to 11 and, and, and up. And and meanwhile, you know, there needs to be a debate. There was a Yale uh, epidemiologist who was very important with early COVID treatment who just came out recently and said that he would pull his child out of public school if they have public vaccine uh, mandates in that particular school. Ep- so, epidemiologist? What did you, what? Uh, epidemiologist, yeah. Mm. Yale epidemiologist Dr. Henry Risch came out and uh, he put out a very important statement saying, if it comes to it, I will homeschool my child rather than put him in a public school where he has to take a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was critically important for early COVID-19 treatment. He was the authority on it. And and he deserves to be heard. His voice deserves to be elevated. And I wish there was a debate. I wish there was a conversation between him and Dr. Fauci, who's telling people that it's going to be great that all children are going to be vaccinated Dr. soon. Dr. Fauci works in an office with a picture of himself, uh. a giant portrait of himself. Wow. That's that's great, huh? We got yeah. pictures of Biden because we love Biden. Lydia's that's got a big old picture of Biden. Can you Check show the people? Show the this people. So good. Oh, it's, you can't really see it. It's a little. Zoom. Here, let me zoom out a little bit. There's a, there's, there's a picture of Biden because we love and respect our president. That's see? right. Yeah. Look at that beautiful. It's, it's actually for those that are just listening. It's a horror photo. Yeah, I like his it. face is like <laughs> kind of drooping and melting <laughs> off. He's got a sinister look as he smells Lydia. Love it because he's a disgusting creep. Yep. Man, you see the uh, that that cornholio pose, man. <laughs> the, the, the imaginary jetpack. Well, we're living in a simulation. Did, uh, That's the only um, answer, huh? Do you know Red Steez is on Twitter? Stephen Miller? Yeah, The yeah, other course, Stephen Miller? Yeah, the other one. Yeah. yeah, he put up this thing where it's like, apparently, like, one of the classic symptoms of, like, dementia Alzheimer's is clenched fists like that. I've seen it. Yeah. And, I, look, I'm not speculating whether or not Biden has dementia per se, but the point is, is if, if this were Trump or any Republican or anyone that the media didn't like, if this were Bernie Sanders... This would be, you know, a week's worth of news cycles about whether or not that he has dementia. I feel that screaming the truth at someone that doesn't want to hear it is is fruitless. It may have some impact, but it's such a diminishing return. It's like wind resistance, terminal velocity. You can't <laughs> you can't get past their brain cloud. So there's I'm trying to think of other ways. You got to make them figure it out on their own. Yeah. Like set them up to figure it out. Walk into it and be like, hey, I figured out that. Biden is losing his, you know, whatever his mental capacity. If that's what's happening, but to tell them that just doesn't seem they don't seem the doesn't seem the yeah uh, clenched hands a, a symptom of Alzheimer's. Yeah, it is. It is. Hmm. But but to Ian's point, I think that he's onto something. Can we zoom in a little bit more again? Sorry. Well, th- this could also explain. Sorry, just one one small uh, important tidbit here before I take it off to Lydia. This could explain why we are on day two hundred seventy nine of the hundred days of masking. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, what I was going to say was that to Ian's point, he was talking about how you can't convince someone to change their mind by giving them new information because you're just contradicting them. This is something Scott Adams talks about a lot. And in general, I would recommend being incredibly compassionate even when it's really hard 
Because the, what is that quote that people won't care what you told them? They'll only care how you made them feel at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think this is true. And this is something that, you know, conservatives in general really stink at. Yeah. They need to, like, Facts approach the conversation feelings. like, I understand why you, you know, that you feel this way. I understand that maybe you've had difficulties because of X, Y, and Z. But here, you know, here's why I'm telling you that. I disagree. You know, there needs to be some sort of acknowledgement on a human level. Also, rather than like, you know, I look, I like Ben Shapiro, but like facts don't care about your feelings doesn't get you very far. Feelings don't care about your facts. Sorry. I feel what you feel is the way to go. Understanding what they feel. That's kind of it's kind of too cold. But when you feel what they're feeling, it sucks because like they're feeling terrified and like they're losing their mind. But if you allow yourself to feel it for a minute while you're talking to them. Then this they start is to believe you. It's sales and uh, uh, manipulation 101. Is the first thing you have to do in order to change anyone's opinion is have rapport. And so that's why a very common sales tactic would be like, "Hey, um, uh, nice to meet you, man. Uh, where where are you from, Mark?" <laughs> Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. No joke. No, seriously, my brother lives up there. I am from I got, Bend. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. my brother's up, uh, amazing. I wonder if you guys ever bumped into each other. That's so cool. I can't believe we had so much in common. Well, I, I live in Alexandria now, but I'm originally from Bend. Wow. Uh, so actually, uh, uh, I do have a brother who lives in Bend. But so what you do is, when you're when when you're doing sales or fundraising activism, you start off just with like, "Hey, nice to meet you. Like, where are you from?" You know, you find something, and then no matter what they say, you say something to compliment it yeah. and show that you share a positive emotion, and then you're opening the door. Another thing we talked about is, is something called the yes train. Get someone to say yes seven times, and they're more likely to, to acquiesce to whatever your demand is. So, like, if you want to sell them a pizza, you'd be like, hey, look, you, you, you know, you're probably, it's lunchtime, right? Right. You're looking for food, I'd imagine, at some point. Right. And then eventually say, okay, great, I got a pizza right here. Here you go. You want it, right? Right. The last three times I've been in a car dealership, I've always been complimented on my shirt. Huh. <laughs> yep. I think I was talking to my dad. I don't dad. think my shirt was particularly great. I was talking to my, <laughs> my dad and he was like, can you, can you believe it? They're, they're trying to stop people from being able to take the vaccine if they want in these certain places. And I was like, that's crazy, man. If, if the, if it was a dangerous disease, then I could understand. Like it was like, I, I just felt and got what he was saying, even though it wasn't what I agreed with. And, and then immediately started telling him what I thought. That's the way to get through to people. I, I'm, I was a little vague about what transpired just now on purpose. The, un, the, un, the unfortunate reality for me was when I was working at these nonprofits is that there's a very easy formulaic way to get people to change their opinions that works every time. And if you're willing to do that, you'll win. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're in trouble. So being blunt with people, I feel like, is the right thing to do. But the right thing isn't always the effective thing. And yeah. so, like you mentioned, it's actually one step beyond that. Uh, it's, it's, it's actively lying to manipulate that gets you the most successful outcome. And, uh, man, I, I think these, 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 you know, these charity organizations, these nonprofits, I used to do this stuff. Once I found out that they were lying, I quit. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. I was like, I thought I was being honest. I thought I was doing a good thing. And then once you realize they've actually formulated these lies specifically to make money off people and trick them. And what my friends described it, me and my friends describe it as selling hopes and dreams to people mm-hmm. or selling them nothing. Like, people would go out in the street and sell hair products and packages. They have these guys that go around, and they'll be like, they'll walk up to girls and be like, oh, your hair is amazing. Like, you should definitely check out the salon and then give them the coupon, and then they get money when the coupon is used. And then we would always laugh. Like, we, you know, they'd see us. We'd be, do, we'd be fundraising, and we'd be like, we don't sell anything. We literally just tell people to give us their money, and they do. Hmm. And they'd be like, wow. People are animals. 
we think a lot of times that we're so smart. I do for sure. But like like a dog, if you treat it right and you reward it when you want want it to repeat itself, it'll I, repeat I itself. I disagree. I had uh, I, I knew someone. Uh, I met someone at uh, Columbia who said that they used. Um, Pavlovian reinforcement to get their roommate to do chores for them hmm. by offering them candies that they really liked whenever they would do <laughs> something. And then when they wanted the dishes done, they would plot the candies and then be like, oh, would you mind doing the dishes? And they'd be like, yeah. And then afterwards, she'd hand them some candy and they were just like, they That's... didn't realize they had been manipulated. <laughs> Let's go to Super Chats. Time. Wow. If you haven't already, Thanks. smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends, go to TimCast.com, become a member to support our work in building culture, setting up uh, our, our new, you know, our new space at Freedomistan. We're going to be building it out. We're going to try and figure out what that looks like. Probably going to have a sandwich shop, a smoothie shop, a skate shop, a game shop, a gun shop. I've been doing massive research on the domes. Range. I'm very exciting. The Geodesic free dome, domes. No. The, the free ge- dome. There may be a, an array of free domes. One in particular. Yeah, the, like, place, but, the place I stay in New Hampshire is a bunch of domes. Yeah, Homes together. They're pretty that. cool, yeah. But uh, mo- most importantly, we have a bunch of journalists working at TimCast.com. We have new shows we're building. And if you want to support this show, being a member helps. But we're going to have a members-only show coming up. We drop them about 11 p.m. every night, so definitely you don't want to miss that. But let's read some of your super chats and, again, smash that like button. All right. Make 1984 Fiction Again says Alec Baldwin's career was mostly peaceful. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> That's a good P.S. One. To all saying prop gun, would you be cool with him killing somebody with a prop car? Stabbed with a prop knife, hung with a prop rope. There's no prop gun. This is the craziest thing. Yeah. I, I understand why they're framing it like that. Because if it said Alex, Alec Baldwin shot and killed someone in set, people would assume it was his gun in the media. It was so his they, gun. They wanted what was the sets? It was the the movie studio. He's gun. the producer of the movie. He's, yeah, he's one of the owners of the of the props. <laughs> yeah. But I, they wanted to make sure people knew that he didn't bring his own weapon and do it. I so think. you actually made a great point earlier about you know the cultural differences of this stuff. Um, you know, my dad's a retired Marine Colonel. My dad was an alternate from Marine Corps Rifle Pistol Team. He was like an amazing shot. I grew up shooting. And I remember when I was younger, I was learning to shoot. Like I pointed the gun in the wrong direction once. I don't remember what happened next. All I know is that my, I was on the ground mm-hmm. and I looked up and my dad was holding the gun. Yep. yep. And it was like, you will not do that again. You know, um, and like that's how seriously, you know, people that, you know, use guns, you know, treat the safety of them. That's I got one. I got one for you, Michael Malice. The oh new boy. right. Michael likes to say the new right. He asks people, do you think some people are better than others? Yes and no. I mean, I think that everyone is a sinner. I mean, the human nature is inherently flawed. And one of the big problems of our current societies, people don't uh, don't understand the human beings are inherently sinful and self-interested. Well, Michael says the new right will just say yes, but the mm. left will justify or hem and haw. And I got a better one. The new right is, was it Alec Baldwin's fault or not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. Yes. Yes. Like, let's, let's, yes. let's break this down. Alec Baldwin is the producer on a movie. There is a gun negligently discharged multiple times. So crew actually walk off the set protesting. He's then handed the same gun, doesn't check it in defiance of his own training and then shoots and kills somebody. And they're like, it's not his fault. <laughs> so, you gotta be insane. So Nick Searcy and Adam Baldwin are two some of the two of the more uh, open right wingers in Hollywood, but both guys with sort of distinguished careers in Hollywood and, and handled a lot of guns on sets. And they both came out and said, "You were given very specific instructions about pointing the gun. It is your obligation when they hand you the gun to double check that it's not loaded. Like all of these things 
whatever you want to say about negligence that happened before the gun got in his hands, there's no doubt that Baldwin himself was not negligent for not checking to see that apparently there was a live round in the gun. Somebody tweeted at me, so you're saying that anytime someone wants to drive a movie on set, they got to check the oil, check the gas, check the brakes. And I was like, no, I'm saying that anytime someone's doing a scene where they're going to slam the gas full speed towards the crew... They should check the brakes and the safety harness and the emergency handbrake and make sure they've gone through the stunt coordinator because you're risking people's lives. It's not a stunt to drive a car. If they're like, we're going to have you drive a car around the block. It's not a stunt. If they're like, we want you to slam the gas full speed towards the camera. Okay. What's our emergency stop? Do we have a, do we have a a rope, a a cable? Do we have a, a, a handbrake? Then you will test them out before doing the stunt. So yes, if you're going to hand a gun to somebody, it should be for a revolver. Cylinder should be open. They should be, I think it should be unloaded. I don't know exactly what their protocol is. It should be unloaded. And if they're going to be using blanks, they, sh- they show the blank, have the actor inspect it, place the blank in and say, we have placed a blank inside this gun. If you point this at someone in close enough range, you can kill them. They should be given the full spiel every time. Never make assumptions that people know how to handle these things. At least two people should check the gun. At least. Yeah. I mean, right. even when I'm handling firearms, I always ask someone else to check the chamber. We I always check do the this. chamber, check someone else, check it, and then I check it, and then I make sure to put it away, and then it's safe. When, when we're leaving the range, I'll take my weapon, and I'll clear it, lock the hammer back, and then I'll hand it to the next person to inspect. And then they do the same thing. I was just watching a gun show on YouTube with a bunch of ex-Special Forces guys. They did the same thing. where They were talking about a particular gun and they passed the gun around before they even discussed it to, so each one could verify there was no round in right. the chamber before you it was play empty with it before they even brought it up picked it up all right let's let's read some more super chats djm says to tim pool and the rest of the timcast irl crew congratulations on 400 episodes Woo-hoo. oh I hope yeah that your show at timcast.com right. can you have continues to have success we're at 400 we are wow. is this 400 <laughs> yeah, is this 400? 400 yeah i'm no, honored it, we yeah. should yeah. celebrate wow. it yeah, 400 is that like a number or yeah something? it's a number it's, yeah. a, it's 100 <laughs> Yeah, what 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 is is, what's what's quad quadricentennial? Yes, that's that's it. That is yeah. Well, uh, uh, we will eat uh, wings. All right, (laughs) sounds great. Open up packages, maybe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Alessio DeMonte says Yahoo News just released that the assistant director that gave Baldwin the gun was previously fired due to another gun incident. Looks like they are already starting a story to help Baldwin. Hmm. Or the guy did, and that's what happened. I don't believe any piece of news that I hear at face value. Mm-hmm. What if, like, the true story was that Baldwin is part of this grand Democrat conspiracy, and they were like, we need to take out this wife of this lawyer, and then he was like, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you say. <laughs> they have heart attack guns. Well, can we, <laughs> that's all I have to say. Can we talk about, like, how Alec, it turned out Alec Baldwin's wife had been faking being from Spain yeah. for years? Oh, yeah, right. oh, yeah. I mean, that was the craziest thing I'd heard in forever. You know, you know what people need to understand about, like, assassination is that it would never be that crazy. Like, they right. would just, they would just pay some random guy to go into your neighborhood and then, you know, mug you, yeah. right? Car right. crash, car accident. Like, or like, Michael you know, Hastings. If you're, no, but even that, it's yeah. like, dude. That could have been a Oh, no, job. he yeah. got robbed. I mean, like, I'm, not, I'm not going to go there in terms of speculation, but I totally understand why. Who was it? The Seth Rich guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, why people didn't automatically think that that was just a random DC crime. You know, when you're, you've got access to all that sensitive DNC information, you know. Oh yeah, of course. It, of course, it's an investigation. There have been sure. plenty of incidents like that. I'm sure that were foul play. But I think the problem is, you know, sometimes Occam, Occam's razor is right. There's a lot of people who believe the Seth yes. Rich conspiracies and stuff. But like, 
I think it's a lot of wishful thinking. To be oh, I, I think so too. I'm just pointing out that like I totally understand why people go exactly. there. Yeah, but I, yeah, I in that case, I, you I never give government the benefit family. of the doubt. Yeah, that's ever. true. Yeah, but who's to say the government was involved in it? it, it we should at least have the ability to answer and, and question. Sure, sure. No, I will say that that there are there's definitely a lot of like random things in DC where like so and so who's a person of some import was standing in their driveway and this person oh. came up and something happened. Jeez, like, it politics does happen. is a dirty game. Yeah. It's very dirty, yeah. All right. Raymond Stanley says, Tim, the members event was rad. Shout out to every person and dog there. I met yes. some good peeps looking forward to free Domestan. Wait, I could have brought my together. dog. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. My Why? dog was Why? there, Why? yeah. Katoth yeah. Swiss says, remember, Tim, the slow blade penetrates the shield. Yep, I remember that from the movie. <laughs> that was before I walked out. Torturing Tim. All right, let's see what we got. Bo Jess says, Ian, if psilocybin was actually a threat to the system, they wouldn't allow it to be legalized. That's what know. they want you to believe. No. Yeah, yeah, but you got to define threat and system and all that. I, it, it can definitely alter the way we govern ourselves or help us change the way we perceive our own system of governance. But I don't think it would. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's like a destructive force. Jeremy Hall says, Tim, if you were to get into a coma on the Zero Motorcycle, what plans do you have in place? Shimcast? Lukecast? Oh. Personally, I vote for Iancast. Well, <laughs> as, as if. The plan is, <laughs> my, my bed will be placed here in front of the camera, and I'll be intubated and on life support, and that Gosh. will be the show. <laughs> and then I'll, He'll whisper in my ear, and then I'll tell you what he said. We'll, no, li- no, we'll no. live stream it, and then if you get like 50 likes, treats go down, uh, fall on them. <laughs> it'll be like, it'll, it'll show the bed with me unconscious. And then it'll cut to Luke, and he'll be like, ah, that's a good point, Tim. Now, I actually think. And then Ian will be like, Tim's wrong about this one. And then it'll show me again, and it'll go, <laughs> Tim actually has a pacemaker wired to some explosives in the basement. So yeah. when his heart stops beating, the whole try, compound yeah. goes sky high. It's true. Yep. Just implodes. <laughs> a warning light. You get 30 hole. seconds. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don Jett says, dumb law in West Virginia. It is legal to beat your wife so long as it's done in public on Sunday oh. on the courthouse steps. Oh, I don't well. believe that. What? I kind of looked that up. That's amazing. That can't be true. Could be. All right. Let's see what we got. Tristan Lee Dobler says, Dave Chappelle stole multiple jokes that Owen Benjamin made years ago and got blacklisted for. Watch The Greatest com- uh, Comedian. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if that's true, but, you know, maybe it is. Maybe it is. All right, Steve. Steve Otten says Noam Chomsky is the Grinch who stole Liberty. Oh yeah, you said that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw that in the chat. I was like, this is so too amazing. good not to share. Eric Benjamin Hamilton says after creating a short film featuring Yuri Bezmenov for YouTube, I instantly got a few comments calling me a fascist. Mm-hmm. Makes it clear that to communists, anything different from them is fascist, as is with the anti-fascist rampart, the Berlin Wall. So, mm-hmm. can we talk about fascism just for a second? Sure. Like the actual like poli sci textbook version of fascism is the merging of state and corporate power. That was Mussolini's own definition of it. And if you look at like what's happening, for instance, with like social media and regulation and things like that, I mean, like these are kind of inherently like fascist arrangements. We're seeing a lot of like fascism in mainstream America in terms of this sort of thing. And it's just really weird to me that fascism has come to mean basically, you know, anything that the left doesn't like. We actually have. Yeah. Yeah. Quiet guitarist fan says, by the way, I never read the book. I'm assuming he's talking about Dune. And I actually understood it from beginning to end. It's really not that hard, dude. It's hilarious how easy it is to understand if you just pay attention. Once again, MCU theme parks. I don't think Marvel movies are masterpieces. I think they're popcorn flicks. I thought Dune, uh, uh, can I spoil the movie that's been remade from the 80s? I don't think so, right? Like I can, okay, spoilers. All right, so 
Here's a here's the first complaint that someone said to me after we left was like, wait a minute, that whole scene where he's talking to Idaho and he's like, I want to go with you. And he's like, you can't. And then he has another scene where he's like, dad, I want to go and you can't. And then he goes anyway and it's kind of glossed over. Like, what was the point of that scene? Why? You know, so so here here was my experience. The cinematography was fantastic. The music was fantastic. It was beautifully made. But you had to know the story to enjoy it. If you if so, like I'm sitting there with 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 you know my girlfriend and we're talking about it and she's like, Am I, did I miss something? Like, what is, what what's the word they're saying? What's the name of the houses? Like, why is this one bad? Why did they change the? Why did they do this? And I'm like, people keep saying you just, you just can't handle it because they're trying to cram too much in at once. And I'm like, they didn't cram anything in. We were confused halfway through as to what was going on, and it's because it was so slow and drawn out that it was just like, look. If you want to see part one of an art film, I got no problem with that. I just don't like it. And so I'll complain about it and not want to see it. Just like I thought, you know, uh, uh, Captain Marvel was bad. But there are a ton of movies that don't have action that I think are fantastic. It's absurd. People are like, their immediate response is like, Jim just wants action movies like superheroes. And I'm like, that's not true. I didn't see it. But if you're going to do Dune, you got to give the main guy his power within 20 minutes and then get him off the planet within 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then make it pure action from there. I mean, that's... I watched a really a really great video. It broke down why Guardians of the Galaxy people rated highly and why Suicide Squad was rated poorly. And they talk about time. And they were like, Suicide Squad tried using flashbacks to introduce plot lines and, and characters. And it was really confusing for the audience and boring. And so you don't actually get the actual story you're trying to understand until you're an hour in. Whereas Guardians of the Galaxy introduces it immediately in the intro you know, Star Lord's getting the, and I'm using a Marvel film. There's, I'm trying to use a, a YouTube example of like a breakdown between what works and what doesn't. But I think the issue I had with uh, with Dune was that they're trying to make more than one movie. If they just made it one movie, simple action. Yeah, Andreas so, pointed out you have the giant sandworm in the beginning trying to destroy a fleeing ship. You got to show the worm. I mean, that's the biggest part of the whole series is the worms, the sandworms. I read. I was reading online that they were like. The problem with the movie adaptations, the original and this one, is that they're trying to make a book, which works, into a movie that doesn't. Someone commented on Reddit. They were like, it should have opened with Sandworm. So you understood the, the Dune, it should have, the, the importance of the spice. The danger of the worm. Instead, yeah. it was a very slow beginning that was kind of confusing. And the voice and, you know, it's like. I haven't seen the movie, but the, the book and the, the whole the lore and everything that goes into the series of Dune books are known for being complex. I mean, and that's what people enjoy about the books. And I can totally see where that doesn't translate easily. It certainly didn't translate easily for David Lynch. No, right. his his inner monologue stuff was terrible. It doesn't yeah, translate was, to movies. That was confusing. Yeah, I, I, I tried watching it. Look, movies are different mediums, and people who are fans of the book tend to be super fans of the movie. But when I ask, like, just look at some of the questions that non-fans had about watching the movie. If, if the movie's not for people who have not read the book, then by all means, it's not for me. And I'm, then enjoy your movie. I got no problem. But, you know, the, the way it was explained to me was, imagine Star... This is what someone said. If you like Star Wars, A New Hope, and you want to watch a two-hour and 40-minute movie that's just Luke in the desert, and it ends with him finally meeting Han Solo, that's, <laughs> that's doing the movie. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But that's basically what it was. You One know, of these he, days he, they're going to the do hero, it. Right? He's not thru- it's, it's the hero's journey, but he's not thrust into adventure until the movie's over. Yeah. And so you're like, I, I didn't get that far. I've heard a ton of ecstatic things, but all from people that were like sci-fi super fans, fans of the book. I'll, I, will say, I will tell you, people don't want to hear it. We went to a theater. 
uh, we went to the Frederick Theater. There was probably nine people in the theater, and it was five. Five were, were us. And I noticed other people sleeping. After after an hour and 20 or so minutes, I was just like, I'll just read what happened. I'll just I'll just read. I'd rather just read this. I can't watch this. It's so slow and drawn out. And I look over my girlfriend sleeping. And then I'm like, hey, you want to leave? She's like, yeah. And then I get up. I'm like, Luke, we're leaving. He's like, all right. And then we went and got we got hibachi. It was great. Did you, what were your feelings on the stuff that you did see? I'm I, I'm not much of a film critic. I don't have much to say about this, to be honest with you. He's scared to offend the masses. I don't care to offend anyone. Uh, <laughs> it was just like that's a long movie. It's two hours and forty minutes. It's wow. a lot to sit through. And I was like, I'll just watch it later. So if I'm already like, I wasn't in it. I wasn't enthralled by it. I was just like, I'll just watch it later at home. Uh, because it was available. So that, that tells me that I wasn't, you know, entertained by I it. Was, I was all. super excited for it because we watched the original. I can't, I can't, I can't tell you what happened in it because it was so slow and then a lot, like we, we played it downstairs a few months ago, but it was just like eventually became on in the background. And so then when they were like, they're redoing it, I was like, they're going to do it right this time. They're not going to do the inner monologue thing. They're going to speed up the story. And I hear the story's really good. I'm excited for it. And then it was just like, I started watching it and I was like, wow. Damn. There's a made-for-TV version of it with William Hurt that was actually better than the David Lynch one. I don't remember if it would consider it was good at this point. I don't know. There was a made-for-TV one? Huh? Yeah, William Hurt. Check it out if you huh. like Dune. Um, there were, wasn't there something like in the early 1970s they were going to attempt to make it and like Salvador Dali was involved or something crazy? Wow. Yeah, it was an art film version of it that never – they couldn't decide. They wanted it to be like Star Wars, but then the, the director wanted it to be kind of an art film, so it never got made. Huh. Let's uh, let's move on. We got Dan on S. He says, pretty sure I've never heard so someone's doctor say, due to your allergies and other medical issues, you shouldn't stop at red lights. I'm also pretty sure any spiritual belief that has something against red lights wouldn't be driving. <laughs> Good yep. point. All right. Let's see. Roberto Lara says, the reason Luke was on fire. Somewhere in Texas, Alex Jones looked up the night sky, smiled, raised his finger, and shot a bolt of freedom lightning and yelled, let the frogs be frogs. <laughs> that's probably it. I, I did feel like there was fire in my veins. Oh, that's that's weird. I I, I didn't think it was relevant to the story, but yeah. before we walked in the building, Luke did get struck by a powerful blast of green lightning. Oh, okay. That's what that was. Yeah, yeah, that's what that was. I just thought it was a puddle. but a puddle, And all of a sudden, he was glowing, and his hair was he was floating, and he was levitating into the building. Puddle full of leached estrogen that is making the frogs gay. <laughs> All right, let's see. Chris Blank Production says, did you see Project Veritas' new video? The New Jersey governor has been saying no mandates to get reelected while planning to enact mandates after he's elected. <laughs> That's why we left New Jersey. I'm Man. Fi I'm finding this, uh, it's legal to beat your wife on the courthouse. Law is not real. It's a South Carolina thing. And this other website, it says it's all uh, Fake parody. News. Yeah. Fake news. All right, let's see. Scott Gross says, I wonder what people would think if they knew that Paul Atreides goes on to kill entire planetary populations to rid the galaxy of resistance to his rule as the new emperor. Spoiler that, alert. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't want to I confirm mean, or deny spoiler, that. Spoiler, it's like an old book and the movie doesn't even have that in it. So, Paul Atreides was, was pretty cool. I don't remember. What's the thing he's called? The Quisitatarek. Oh. <laughs> exactly. You should know. It should be simplified for a common person to know and walk away and be like, he was the Jedi, rather than call it the Quasi-Tatarak. That, that's fine. They can call it the Quasi-Tatarak. The problem I had with the movie was that it was just, like, glossed no, over he, really he quickly. He was the Bene Gesserit. I don't oh, remember. Yeah, to Bene be honest, Gesserit, I don't remember. No, the Bene so Gesserit was, like, the monk ladies that could yell or something. Uh, yeah, right. I get No, I mean, yeah, I'm not. I'm dismissing the concept of this. It was a good book. 
I would highly recommend the book if you like it. Look, look at I think Star Wars. My understanding is Star Wars basically ripped off Dune. Is that true? He was heavily inspired by it. Inspired I know that. By, ripped it off. Star Wars ripped off a lot of things. Right. You know, but, think, Sala, but think you about know. how Star Wars A New Hope did it such a good job explaining everything. Yeah. Like the Force, the Jedi, the Clone Wars, how these things are introduced. A New Hope is a great movie. It was a samurai. It wasn't they rip off a samurai movie? Yeah. A Kurosawa film, The Hidden Fortress, uh, you know, very strong uh, influence on that. Yeah. Uh, but there were a whole bunch of other things, you know, plus all the mythology. I mean, there are like old Celtic legends about guys with flaming swords and stuff that like, you know, track uh, Star Wars very closely. And there's all these things that were clearly, you know, it was a case of, you know, genius steals, I think. But, you know, also the thing with Star Wars is always just so weird because clearly Lucas had some sort of outside influences on the set and stuff that were, you know, tempering his worst impulses, you know, so they didn't do, you know, nine hours about trade routes or whatever happened in the... You know, the trilogy I've been trying to forget ever since. Oh, oh. gosh. Jar Jar right. and Dooku. Like, Duke? Dookie? Duke Count Dookie? Yeah, that was what? just awful. Terrible names. My but God. you know what I like about the prequels is that they're like bad movies that are funny bad. You know what I mean? Oh, it ripped my heart out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and the sequels are so much worse. All right, all right. Searden says, w, uh, Washington State is already building isolation quarantine camps and facilities. Just thought you should know. Is that true? We get a fact check on that. DK6 says Dexter Holland is a pioneer in mRNA research. His dissertation was on using mRNA for HIV treatments. Of course, he's pro-vax. Yes, but I think that was micro RNA research, not uh, messenger RNA research. It could be wrong. I don't know a whole lot about it. Yeah, I know he has like a PhD in molecular biology or something, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, since for I think 2017. Punk rocker or whatever, but yeah. Yep. You know. He also yeah. owns a hot sauce company. Yep. King County. Was it Gringo Bandito, I think it's called? Yeah. Looks like they're actually joined over there. Uh, King County, Washington. Looks like it's building isolation quarantine facility, uh, according to their website. Bishop Cruz says the Offspring song "Self Esteem" is all about weak men letting horrible women take advantage of them. Might as well be sung by the prototypical male feminist. Come out and play was also prescient. Oh, I listened to that song a hundred times. Yeah, I was I told it off the radio. I was told "Come Out and Play" when I was little was racist. You got to keep them separated. I mean, they were from L.A., and, like, the gang situation yeah. at the time was, you know, legit and out of control. So I, th- I assume they kind of knew what they were speaking about. Yeah. I don't actually think it was racist. I was get, you know. Anyway, Dominic Fe- uh, Dominic Falcone says, Dinosaur Jr. is my favorite band. Just happy to hear it mentioned on one of my favorite shows. Hey, there you go. I'm a massive Jay Mascus Dinosaur Jr. fan. What's that, what's that one song, um, like that really popular song they had? Uh... The, the, the one kind of song they got that was sort of popular was called Feel the Pain. Yes, Feel the Pain. It, yep. I know that one. That's about it. All right. Let's see. We'll grab something down here. Anonymous Anonymous says, on the topic of music, Pink Floyd's 1977 Animals is a great album. I think it speaks measures for the times we're in. So they, the original Dune trailer was tracked to that, um, you know, Pink Floyd cover, whatever. Really? And it was really awesome. Wow. Uh, but as I seem to recall, and maybe I'm misremembering this, but, um, when I mentioned that early 1970s Dune attempt with Salvador Dali, I think Pink Floyd might also have been in, involved in that at one point or something. Um, but, you know, either way, um, yes. Pink uh-huh. Floyd and Dune seem to track up nicely. All right. Let's see. Yeah, Dune with uh, Mick Jagger and Salvador Dali, 1970s. Okay, well, it was Mick Jagger, I guess. In the cast. X-Runner55 says, Valuetainment Podcast had a Facebook moderator on, and it was difficult to watch. You should have one or both on. 
Well, I mean, Ian was a social media moderator, and he tells horrifying stories about things we can't talk about. I would love to have a Facebook moderator in here to get yeah. their perspective. All right, let's see. Kin Confucius, is that what it says? Who do you think has killed more dogs, the FBI or Fauci? Would anyone care if the dogs were were placed back into nursing and retirement homes? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oof. Fed T says, pro tip, eat healthy, exercise, plan for your health 50, 60 years out. If we all participated in this, we wouldn't need as much animal testing and better protections from COVID. This is what I wanted to bring up earlier. I, I, I want to refocus the conversation onto how exciting it is to stay healthy. I think that people get excited about sickness and not like they get terrified which is a form of excitement and but really it's exciting to stay alive and stay healthy i know there's no end to it so it's not like there's not this final excitement point that you're looking at but man is it fun to feel good or all the things that you can do that are exciting when you're healthy all right slick black cadillac says tim the scene calling for baldwin to point the revolver at the camera means the gun must appear loaded to moviegoers i believe this fact is pivotal to the chain of events also i see luke I exacerbate. Okay. Well, um, when it comes to pointing a gun at the camera, wouldn't that require a very specific set of safety protocols to point a gun at a camera that appears loaded? I would like to not see, I would see the cinematographer not standing behind the camera in line of fire. They're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Like we have cameras here that are remote controlled. Accidents like, happened on set before. And uh, that's how they happen. I, it's criminal. I, I think it's criminal. I don't know if that means you should go to jail for it. I think a jury can figure that out. But it's criminal. It's definitely a, a degree of negligence that merits law an investigation uh, and a very serious one about, you know, criminal charges for sure. All right. Let's see. Raven Knight says there was a sci-fi channel miniseries of Dune that was great. I ah. bet that's the one with William Hurt. That, that probably might be is. cool. It really actually was. I came off the David Lynch one, so anything was good for me at that point. But <laughs> I remember not being horrible. And William Hurt was awesome. He played the dad. Jacob E. Manuel says, Hey, Tim, I live in Illinois, not Crapcago, but my company tried to mandate the shot. We all walked out. Now they have allowed us to remove masks and no shots. Last election, we voted to be separated from Crapcago. Love the show. Wow. I hear all these stories where people are like, my boss mandated the vaccine, and we said no, and then they changed their minds. Isn't it amazing how unionization works? Isn't it funny that the left is mocking these people when they're enacting collective bargaining power? I love it. Well, it cuts both ways. I mean, the schools were also shut for 18 months unnecessarily because of unions too. But it is true that I do think that in our current situation, people need to think a lot more about collective action and conservatives need to get a lot more comfortable with it too. All right. Mavis says Dune was created by a guy that only read the Wikipedia page and based based the movie off of that. Perhaps. I'm going to call fake news on that one. <laughs> I think they're just making a joke. Yeah. Darkside66 says, everyone is asking why Alex had a loaded gun. I want to know why he was pointing any gun at the cinematographer and the director. I wonder how often that happens in movies. Because you get the pointing at the camera shot, which probably looks amazing on film. But how often are they standing there? I, I would like to know, what is the rationale for ever having a live round on a movie set ever for any reason? Yeah. We, we went over this on the show last week and like, I mean... It's, it becomes conspiratorial at that point. Yeah, I suppose the uh, the there's there's uh, cartridges that have no powder in it. It's just the bullet, so yeah. it looks real, and they use those for appearance. Right, and then there are blanks. But I don't know. Somebody somebody put a bullet in that, and it's Alec Baldwin's fault. 
he was handed a real gun. And the left is desperate to say, somebody doesn't know what it's like to be on set. It's like, what are you talking about? I lived in, I lived in Hollywood. I had a bunch of friends who worked. I was in a stupid TV show once. It's not like I was on big movie sets, but I've been around them. And it's insane to think that that's an excuse for being handed a loaded weapon and being like, but I didn't know it was loaded. <laughs> I fired a blank once out of a M1 Garand, but not at anyone, just out into the woods. I got in the car. I was told to drive at full speed towards these people. And they said, don't worry, it would be fine. But the but then I hit them and they died. It's like, what happened? Why did you do that? Yeah, maybe you should check. You should be careful. All right, let's see. Mudge, Mudgy says, Luke t-shirt saying, I'm with Dave, using one script like I'm with Hillary type, another with a Trump type text. Interesting. Maybe. Um, I'll talk to my designers, see what they think. I'm with Dave. My friends, if you haven't already... Smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and go to TimCast.com, become a member. We're going to have a a members-only segment coming up around 11 or so p.m., but we also have a massive library of members-only content. You can watch all of the Alex Jones stuff and Steve Bannon and uh, just a bunch of Jack Posobiec and the frequent guests we have. You definitely want to check that out. Seamus, all that good fun stuff. So become a member, and you can follow this show at TimCastIRL everywhere. You can follow me personally at TimCast. Mark, you want to shout anything out? Uh, No, other than... uh I got a book out. Rigged. <laughs> it's behind me. It's great. Right you got Twitter or something? Oh, yeah. Uh, I am at Heminator on Twitter. That's a nice name. I like <laughs> that one. Heminator. So I, Heminator's I, I, pretty cool. I signed up for Twitter like 10 years ago with my, my stupid college nickname <laughs> because I was like, this won't be of any professional use right. whatsoever, right? <laughs> of course, like I'm now cursing that it is literally destroying the entire journalism industry, but that's how I ended up with that Heminator. Yeah. Yes. I'm just going to call you that from now on. Uh, and I released two videos today, one on YouTube.com forward slash We Are Change about Janet Yellen's crazy plans for you and... Uh, Another one, very important one on LukeUncensored.com that I can't tell you about. So. I, I want to, I'm Ian Crossland, and I, another huge shout out to the event on Saturday night at Long Shot in West Virginia, Tim. Thanks for putting it on, man. Yeah. And we got some behind the scenes footage. Uh, there's a uh, episode of Cast Castle up today. Check it out on YouTube if you want to see like the lead up to it. Everybody getting ready doing sound checks. Really awesome. I the cartoon we, I, for that was amazing. Yes, you know, I think it's getting better. I, <laughs> I think we have the members only event. Four members on TimCast.com. I don't know if it's uploaded yet. Yeah, it may I not think be I up. Saw it. Oh, is it the members yeah. only? Yeah. I can just. I saw a thumbnail for it for sure. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah, there's a lot of footage from that night, and yeah. you guys that came out, you are incredible. I met so many people. So Thank you so much. I got this. So a voodoo doll. Is it Ian Crossland voodoo doll? Bobblehead. Be nice to it. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little bobbly bobblehead. I, I don't think it's up yet, but we'll try and get it up as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. But like the comedy, the energy, the people, the Jeez. just interactions. It was it was powerful. Ryan like, Long was incredible. Yeah. And we could have like had a huger venue, but but I think even keeping it this small, having that kind of like those kind of real small intimate conversations with individuals one on one was was pretty Here's pretty the important. The plan is we're gonna do the exact same thing in Miami. Nice. I like uh, it. I love that sound. <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, it's because I was talking. By I mean, you mean free America? That's right. I was talking to Ryan Long, and he was mentioning, like, Fort Lauderdale in, in the Miami area. <coughs> and I was like, you know, I've been trying to get Luke forever. You son yeah. of a gun. <laughs> I've been screaming about Florida forever. But but um, someone else brought up the anti-communist movement there because of all of the expats is massive. And they absolutely would love a freedom-oriented kind of yeah. event. And so, you know, we were thinking about just doing the same thing and then having it be – if we do a bigger venue, 
We can have an area for members like we did, but then we'd also sell tickets to the public for like upper seating and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, Hard Rock Cafe. I mean, there's a reason I stay there half the year. I love it down there. The energy down there is huge. And it's one of the few places that is actually free. Yeah, that's funny you, you use the word energy. This is exactly how I would describe it. I had to go to a wedding down in Tampa a month or two ago. And it was just shocking. It was like it was like going to an entirely different country yeah. I mean, in terms of people are alive. People vibrant. are alive. There's like like things are happening in the state. People are like optimistic. Um, and in addition to the fact it didn't have any of the insane COVID protocols, uh, it just it was you know there's no negativity. There's no one harping yeah. and and like being mad at you for not wearing a mask. None yeah. of that. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll get on that. Oh, and Lydia. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you all who came to the event. I was watching Ian. He went hard for like seven hours i was like how is he doing this i kept needing to step outside ian like didn't even come up for air it was ridiculous i was like this man i trained for 20 years to do this dude yes he is quite (laughs) the people person i love it very much so hopefully we can do more like that he got on stage and he looked at everyone and said i have been training for 40 years for this moment today and then he put the guitar and everyone was like yeah that was good that's what happened all right everybody We will see you all over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.